And you're listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2010. It sure is. Uh, yes, this is the podcast where we put on our time rebands and travel back to a year in the past uh, via the lens of the ARIA charts, the Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and look at the number one songs for that year, this year being 2010, of course. And if you want to follow along with the songs, uh, there's a YouTube link in the description. And uh, yeah, so, you know. Oh, and you can go to Sunglasses at Night podcast on Instagram where there's no content. It's just me posting a photo <laughs> and some bullshit if you want to do that. So <laughs> sure. don't feel obliged. Yes, keep in, or send us feedback and uh, <laughs> tell me yeah. how often I say like. Um, so 2010, it's a new decade. It's it's exciting. There's so many. It sure is. It's it's a world of possibilities, really. The 2010. It's. I mean, we've just got out of the 2000s, which let's admit, in hindsight, um, was a weird year for music, a decade for music. songs. There was a sort of. We'd come out of the 90s where we've discussed a lot of things were happening. Mm-hmm. The 2000s didn't really know what they were doing. There was a lot of post-grunge, yeah. post-Euro beats. It was a sort of a changing of the guard from your default setting for pop being kind of vaguely rock-based yep. to the current default setting of pop being kind of vaguely hip-hop. Yep, based. hip-hop and dance-based, yep. exactly. Yeah, electro mixed in. Um, yeah, so we're into 2010. Let's see whether we keep on going down that changing path. Mm. Hopefully we get some new artists. Fucking don't really want to talk about any cunt from a reality TV show ever again. Yes. Um, don't really want to have to talk about Will I Am ever again. But um, spoiler alert, I think we'll have to this this episode. So let's see how it goes. And yeah, anyway, I'm, I've got high, I'm I'm confident that this decade will be yes. you know more. I don't know more fruitful from the last. Yeah, I hope it'll have a bit more of a sort of uh, coherent musical you know, identity than the 2000s. Correct, which exactly. Which pretty all over the fucking place. Um, and we're still, we're still in, at this point in time, we're still heavily into digital downloads and CD singles. So yes. later in the decade, we're going to move over into some streaming, streaming, but at the moment, we're still in that. Now, 2010, Tom, what world events? What Can we set the scene? Sure. What was going on in the world outside sure. of the ARIA charts? Uh, 2010. Well, um, the H1N1, a.k.a. swine flu drop, uh, originally billed as a sort of unofficial big-budget COVID prequel. Yep. It was overhyped and under-delivered on opening day. Crowds failed to show up, and some reviewers referred to the US's death toll of 12,469 as piss week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, if we'd known then what we knew now, people should have maybe poured over it a bit more like, you know, old copies of The Shining looking for clues that perhaps could have led them to, um, yeah. Realising that, um, what was, you know, Kubrick st- did the moon landing video, is that what you're going yes, for? or that there was a big budget uh, sequel coming up yeah, later on. exactly. Um, Australia briefly had one of the rare uh, non-placeholder prime ministers we like to experiment with every couple of decades before stabbing them in the back and replacing them with the old reliable cement cube for another 18 years. Yep. 
Uh, Apple released the first iPad. Since then, 20 additional models of the iPad have been released, all of which perform exactly the same function but require a different piece of wire to recharge them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by 2018, Statista reported that more than 350 million had been sold. Uh, that was four years ago, so logically they would all be broken now. Yep. Uh, sorry, I'm getting an update here. Uh, the Apple Corporation politely requests that when visualising 350 million broken iPads, you imagine them all flying up to heaven on little white wings to meet Steve Jobs yep. and not, say floating down a black river through the slums of a Chinese city the size of New York you've never heard of. Exactly. So remember the wings, the little white wings. Uh, in music of, uh, news, uh, Lady Gaga attended the MTV Awards oh, wearing yeah. a dress and a hat and shoes, which I'd forgotten, made out of meat. Ah, good, the old meat dress. Mm, yeah. I forgot the meat accessories that yeah. went with the meat dress. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember why she did that, Ben? Uh, was it for some sort of um, vegan thing or not? The obvious answers would be A, veganism, yep. B, to get attention, yep. or C, both. For Gaga, uh, according to her, it was a statement against the discriminatory don't ask, don't tell army policy, which President Obama repealed at the end of 2010, and which was, you know, maybe 15 years old at this point. Uh, if we don't stand up for what we believe in, uh, and if we don't fight for our rights, pretty soon we're going to have as much rights as the meat on our bones, Gaga said at the time. Jesus, that's a tenuous link if ever I've heard one. <laughs> now, Ben, I'm trying to tick, kick off the new decade with a less cynical outlook, you mm. know. I want to get away from that sort of, you know, black eyed peas related sense of imminent dread that I've had for the last <laughs> few years. But is there any chance that maybe Lady Gaga had the idea for a meat dress, thought that'll get me attention, then thought, shit, bit wasteful and gross though, better stick some sort of cause on it, then thought, oh, I can't be fucked becoming a vegan, then thought, what else involves meat, then thought, then forgot about it until she was inside the limo on the way to MTV, frankly, frantically googling populist causes that mean I still get to eat delicious prosciutto. Yep. <laughs> she is Italian after all. Look, She's got to have that gabagool then. Oh, look, no doubt. Even if it means literally wearing a dress made out of it. I think you're giving her too much credit saying she Googled <laughs> it on the limo there. It sounds like she came up with it just off the top of her head while saying it. Um, it's about the uh, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Um, so good on her. Such a long bow to draw. Oh, absolutely, but, you know. for sure. So I think um, good on her though for for you know retrofitting a cause <laughs> onto the old meat dress because um, otherwise you just look like someone wearing a meat dress. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's weird. I just assumed it was always for a vegan yeah, cause. Or but, you know. animal rights, you yeah. know, like obviously that would be the most obvious possible answer. But correct. Um, I don't know what the biggest film of the year was. Did you did you look at that? Um, no, I didn't. I think um, Avatar was up there. I don't know whether that was. The oh, was one. this the year Something of Avatar? Something around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's topical because Avatar Two is coming to a mere <laughs> twelve years later. So sure, to I'm a sure they will definitely come out this year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very, very excited to see the future endeavors of whatever those people mm. were called because no one can remember. So. Good times. Anyway, so thanks for that, Tom. Thanks for painting That's the picture right. of, of uh, what was going on in 2010. Yeah, so what was happening in actual music terms? Then? Oh, well, Tom, 2010, first song off the bat, 4th of Jan, it's Owl City with Fireflies. Ah, yes. Uh, decade off to an auspicious start, <laughs> dare I say. Now, 
I don't know a lot of the Our City story. No. Tom, I'm not sure whether you do, but I after don't. I found this quote on the internet and I knew that I just needed to find out more about the artist himself. <laughs> quote, Our City, not his real name, might I add, <laughs> is a devout Christian and reports that his faith is the only thing more important to him than music. Of course it is. So it turns out that Christianity doesn't just produce terrible rock music, Tom. <laughs> it's also capable of producing terrible electronic music. <laughs> and if Hillsong has proved anything, it's that Christianity can produce terrible music across almost any genre, I That's think. That's true. So, look, um, if I had some advice for our city, it would be this. Quit music completely and dedicate your life to Christ. <laughs> that way, you know, you're still wasting your life. You know, if you're dedicating to Christ, let's face it, it's a complete waste of life. But at least in that circumstance, there's no chance of me having to stumble across any of his <laughs> new music. So, I'm guessing you didn't like this. <laughs> it, this was terrible, Tom. Sorry, I should have I should have said that at the start. This is terrible. So um, this is uh, weak electronic pop. Is that how you'd describe yes. it? Real yep. weak as shit. And he's also, it has that horribly obnoxious American nasally sort of vocal delivery that's generally reserved only for the worst speak singing pop punk songs. Yeah. He's Fireflies are in the sky. Yes. I'm he's, floating around. It's he's deliberately f- leaning into the sort of twee hipster cutesy voice, yeah. isn't he? I mean, when you throw in some auto-tune that's so feeble it can't even decide if it's on purpose or not, yeah, you've really got yourself a shit burrito there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is just as... It's just so cutesy. It's, it's, if you've never heard it, imagine the, like, the laziest song by Bo Burnham minus any jokes. It's just a kind of... Yeah. yeah I mean, so- it is a bit catchy. I can see why... It, you know, I can see why it was on the charts. I don't know why it's on the charts for fucking what have we got four weeks the start of the year. But yeah, you know, that's all it's got going for it, really. Yeah, look, I never need to hear this again for the rest of my <laughs> lifetime. Safe to say. Um, when asked what his inspiration for the song is, mm-hmm. our city said the following. This one time I went to Taco Bell and got a grilled stuffed burrito and some cheesy Fiesta potatoes. It was awesome. Then I went home and wrote Fireflies. Mm, uh, and Tom, story. that actually reminds me of a John Lennon quote that I read. Uh, this one time I went to Taco Bell and got a grilled stuffed burrito and some cheesy Fiesta potatoes. It was awesome. Then I went home and wrote Imagine. So I think it's sort of... He's re- they're, they're sort of drawing, pulling from the same well, I would say. Yes. So this is very Beatlesque. Um, would mm. you? No, you wouldn't agree with me on that one. It's not, not really, is it? So I wasn't quite sure whether this qualified for the taxi club or not because he said he wrote it in about an hour or some shit like that yeah. when he was trying to get to sleep or something. But you know, like, yeah, I don't even think it's interesting enough to qualify for that. Frankly. No, not really. Our city's another one of those MySpace artists that we yes. talked about last week. I know there's a certain nostalgia for that. That pre-Facebook, um, you know, era of the internet where things were, you know, less concentrated in one place and a bit more all over Not there. Not from me, maybe from millennials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, same with me, yeah. But, you know, young people sort of feel that. Um, but it's hard to underestimate, Tom, just how much terrible music came out of the MySpace era as well. Yeah, fucking oath. I know what you mean. And, like, fittingly, for instance, the, br- the video for this takes place in a sort of cutesy, toy-filled yeah. bedroom. And Al definitely comes across as one of those raging, discovered in my house, woolly sock wearing twats that make you, frankly, yearn for the days when a musician had to dodge bottles every night for a decade yep. before getting, getting a record signed, yeah. deal, just to sort them in from the man children. Yep. 
Look, okay, look, I'm just warming up my quotation marks muscles here. (laughs) Hang on. An article in The Independent at this time credited Owl City with launching the musical genre twee, like with a capital T. Oh, good. Beginning the careers of many similar MySpace musicians like Pajamas, the Woolly Sock Triplets, and of course Tristan Softcock, (laughs) who went on to have uh, many hits. Some of my favourites, those Mm. guys, yeah. Absolutely. Look, um, yeah... I don't know. There's not a lot really more for me to say. We don't usually do recommendations um, on the podcast, Tom. That's something we don't usually do. But look, I feel like new decade, new sort of ideas in the podcast. We're going to be doing a lot of different stuff. I'm going to be doing more impersonations, um, (laughs) things like that, funny voices, those sorts of stuff. So we're sort of, you know, mixing it up a little bit. So we thought this is a new segment where we recommend music to people that may not be familiar with our city so um if you're unfamiliar with his work as i said and looking for a place to start for my money the best our city album is uh 2014's the best of our city tom um i've not heard it but i assume this is where all of his finest material has been collected into one easy to access spot so if you want some our city go check out the best of our city um that that's definitely his finest work he hasn't released anything since 2018 so maybe he's on board with jesus as he said maybe he's quit the game he's gone to just do full-on work with our lord and savior which i highly endorse um, the yes. more time he spends with Jesus, the less time he spends at the keyboard, and we all are better off because of that. Yeah, I just, I was writing a list. So I had the song on in the background, and it ran out and then started again. So oh, I switched tabs to discover that YouTube had started to autoplay a file called "Owl City Fireflies One Hour," oh, to which sorry. I replied, "Don't fucking threaten me, YouTube, piece of shit." <laughs> I'll fucking take you down. <laughs> right. Who who would loop that for now? That's just <laughs> terrible. I don't know. It's disturbing. I've I've it's not exactly it. lo-fi chill study beats to study to, is it? No, exactly. It's I mean, more like the same shit song played forty-eight times in a row. Yeah, look, I've accidentally put on a, a Captain Jack um, loop for one hour and just. You know, about it's not until about forty-five minutes in, I'm sort of like, oh, hey, oh, Captain James, been going for a while, but you know, fireflies. I think after eight minutes, you're just like, oh, fucking hell, this is way longer than I remember. It's terrible. Um, the song's shit, and his voice is annoying. But what about the lyrics that he's delivering in that fucking annoying sure. voice? What can you tell me about that? Well, our city, it turns out, is not actually an entire city full of owls, mm. even despite the purposefully cutesy fucking image that that would create. Uh, Our City is basically just a one-man job from a guy called Adam Young with a bit of help from Matthew Teeson of Reliant K, who are a Christian pop-punk band best known for the song Mood Rings, considered one of the shittest contemporary Christian songs ever written, which you can imagine is a level of competition rarely seen outside of interplanetary warfare. (laughs) So getting up to that level... Uh, yeah, so those combination of those two uh, resulted in lyrics like, I'd like to make myself believe that planet Earth turns slowly. It's hard to say that I'd rather stay awake when I'm asleep because everything is never as it seems. Great. Now, as a Christian, Adam has already demonstrated powerful levels of delusion, and I believe he's up to the task, Ben. 
I also believe he's up to the task of lying on the ground while I kick him in the nuts for writing multiple verses full of shit like, "'Cause I'd get a thousand hugs from ten thousand lightning bugs as they tried to teach me how to dance.'" I'm about as macho as Mark Zuckerberg, but there are a few styles of music such as shoegaze, Melbourne jangle, and this shit that just makes me want to eat raw meat, wrap a bike chain around my fist, and uppercut a shoeless singer-songwriter into the front row of a sugar concert. Yep. I mean, seriously. Those notes are terrible. Um, They're some of the worst I've ever heard. (laughs) When you combine that with the cutesy auto-tune, the cutesy accent, the cutesy topic matter... The cutesy, tinkly synth shit and the cutesy born-again Christian did this in my bedroom, in my pyjamas thing. Yeah, it's pretty nauseating. You know something's bad when you're listening to it and you're longing for Maroon 5? <laughs> I think that sort of says to you, this oh is awful. God. I know I say this often, but I think this might have been the most powerful year I've had that we've done to date for just wanting to hear... Uh, the sound of a guitar, a guitar. being strummed. Yeah. Even if it was being strummed in the service of, I don't know, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair or something. Yeah, Jesus. Because that's we're okay. a... I, I will agree to <laughs> All disagree right, maybe on that. Maybe I'm one. not going that far, <laughs> but, you know, let's say the session musicians who played in her band, let's say that. Well, I can't, I think that the thing about I want to be a punk rocker with flowers in my hair didn't, wasn't it only like hand clapping and shit? Wasn't it like Yeah, no it wasn't even. <laughs> but that, anyway, was it? well, let's say Lifehouse. You yearn <laughs> for the days of. Um, Fallen even no, you're right. I went too far. Then. That was I, that was that was going too far. Um, so our city fucking somehow has nine million monthly Spotify listeners. I don't Christians. No, yeah, that's Christian true. Christian, Christians. It's an entire separate music industry unto itself in America. It's, yeah, you can be completely famous there and rich and successful without anyone knowing who you are outside of it. Yeah, they've got a lower bar for quality, I find, the Christian <laughs> audience. They'll listen to fucking anything. So, yeah, that it totally explains that. Um, and this will cost you $4.50. Mm. Um, well, geez, we're outside we're, of the physical thing now. We're, right? we're, into, we're into that sort of um, everyone's digital downloading and you're really only going to... They're pressing up like 100 singles. It's got like that, so. Cool, all right, let's move on. That was fucking garb. Um, up next, though, whew, it's um, Ayaz... With replay. Mm. Now, the IAS story, Tom, um, this is just for one week. Two weeks, I think, actually. Sorry, two weeks on this one. Now, for those of you that don't know the IAS story, Tom, are you familiar with the IAS? Do you not. know the IAS story? I even vaguely remember Sean Kingston. But yep. yeah. So, Sean Kingston discovered IAS through his MySpace page in 2008. Oh, okay. Now, <laughs> I'm not sure Sean Kingston's in the position to be discovering anybody. <laughs> For my mind, that works against the artist, I think. Mm. If I found out that someone was discovered by the dude who recorded Beautiful Girls, then that's a hard pass. <laughs> I assume it would just be fucking garbage. So mm. someone could come up to me and say, Tom, this is the best new artist of all time. They were discovered by Sean Kingston. And I think I would immediately have my doubts as yes. to sort of whether they are the best new artist. Yes. So, it's like being discovered by Akon. It suggests oh, exactly. a number of things. You know. Look, so... Ayaz hasn't released an album since 2015. And look, he's not Rihanna, is he? He doesn't have other business interests and things <laughs> that he's got better time to do than record music. So I assume the general public share my sentiment about Ayaz and just decided that with his association, affiliation with Sean Kingston was sort of enough to, for the people mm. just to say, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. So because this is, uh, look, Kendron Jones, a.k.a. Ayaz. Oh, Okay. 
Ayaz is not his real name, (laughs) much like our city. No one's using their real name these days, Tom. He was born in the US Virgin Islands and then raised in the British Virgin Islands. So one can only assume, looking at the location of his birth and his residence, that this project was 100% paid for with money laundered into offshore tax havens. (laughs) I mean, that's the only explanation that I could come up with. Seems quite likely. Yeah. Um, Look, this was most likely, and when I say most likely, I mean 100% certainly financed by drug money. So next time you're about to hand over 500 bucks for that gram of cocaine, just have a hard think about the proceeds of the drug trade what that finances. It mm. isn't, you know, it finances, you know, guns and criminal enterprises, human trafficking, but it also does some bad things like music <laughs> such as this. So that's the problem. People buy the drugs, they don't think mm. about where it goes, goes offshore, and then people just use it to record songs like this and they write that off as a tax thing. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, Replay was the first song off Iaz's debut album. But it didn't actually take off as a hit for nine months or so. This is a oh. 2009 release. Jeez, what happened? How? How did that happen? Well, I mean, I guess sometimes you put that bottle of wine on the shelf and you end up with some Grange. Mm. Other times you get salad dressing, you know. Correct. Which is one way I might be tempted to describe this song. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I listened to this a couple of days ago and I'm struggling to remember what it even sounded like then. Yeah, look, so this was written by I, uh, Sean Kingston, we mentioned previously, and Jason Derulo. Uh, um, yes. And I would describe it as borderline annoying electronic pop. Mm. Is that like it's not... Not annoying like a Black Eyed Peas song where you want to jump out of a window, but it's yeah. borderline annoying where it's a bit kind of like, oh, this is shit, but not so shit that... Yeah, anyway, but look, friend of the podcast, Flowrider, features on the remix, which makes it slightly less shit. Uh, yes. So he pops in and you're like going, <laughs> okay, at least, you know, if the remix is on Cole's radio, I can just at least wait for the Flowrider bit to get me through. Yeah. But look, so as I as explained, it's about this girl I met in a shopping mall. I approached her and engaged her in conversation. Not everyone takes that step. (laughs) You usually see someone, you don't say anything and then regret it. But Mm. I couldn't stop thinking about her. She became my girl, but we're not together now. (laughs) I've met plenty of girls, but I'm not looking. I don't have the time. That's why we separated. Now, it's good that he took the approach of actually talking to someone. That's nice. I'm Mm. not sure whether he was stalking them at the shopping mall. I don't really know the context. But he went up and spoke to them. So, look, respect to Ayaz for that. Looking at his recent musical output, it would appear that he has time now. He didn't have have the time back then. He was too busy. But he has fucking loads of time now. So, I hope he kept her number and, you know, just phone. Yo, it's Ayaz. That one-hit wonder from a decade ago you met at a shopping centre. Should we hook back up? You should give it a go. I mean, about the most interesting thing I could say about the uh, inspiration for this song is that unlike every other song for this entire year, it's not about meeting someone in a nightclub. No. At least in this case, he met her in a shopping, shopping mall, mall instead. I mean, but it really is pretty feeble, isn't it? Like, even the production lacks the excitement of the average Lonely Island piss take single. And the whole thing just feels kind of toothless and sort of... Disney Channel Kids Choice Awards, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Like the video is like that as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the video clip was described by the director as, quote, the concept plays to the song's narrative, featuring a Caribbean beach backdrop as Iaz's love interest takes over his iPod in a romantic twist on <laughs> technology. Uh, 
a romantic twist on technology, Tom. What I saw was Ayaz hanging out with his easy-on-the-eye female companion in a series of bikinis. <laughs> and then in one bit, she's on rollerblades. Now, Ayaz is wearing an Ayaz stuck-on-repeat shirt that I'm 100% in the market for. So if anyone has one of those, yeah. please send it through to the podcast. No, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, like, like it, it briefly hints at the idea of him being able to like forward and reverse time with his iPod, like hinting at the idea of replaying a moment sort yeah. of thing. But I mean, imagine what Shaggy would have done with the concept of being able to replay a moment in time. A lot of boning, you know, I imagine. The so. lyrics would have been banned in Walmart and the video would just <laughs> be an X-rated version of the Adam Sandler film <laughs> Click, you know, probably just the same four-second-long penetration shot yeah, repeated over and over and for over. four minutes, you know, whereas this is just sort of... I mean, even describing it as a Caribbean beach backdrop is pushing it. It's just some sand somewhere, like, just, you know, like, there's no sort of... It just seems... It's like it, things have gotten less interesting. Yeah, it looked like someone time. had just purchased a ton of sand at Bunnings and <laughs> dumped it in their backyard and went, there you go. Look, um... I, mean, I don't say this likely, that the Peter Andre clip, the Peter Andre song... Um, Mysterious, Mysterious Girl. Mysterious Girl has a more island vibe it has a more a greater sense of location dare i even say it, it's a sexier video than this even oh for sure like, this is just it's literally just about meeting someone in a shopping mall it is yep. yeah now i'm not sure the director actually followed through with that concept it put forward because having watched this i'm not sure there was any correlation between what was captured on film and you no. know, his sort of romantic take on technology, twist, sorry, romantic twist on technology. So, uh, yeah, the, the iPod thing, uh, fuck, I don't know, it's very tenuous. So, yeah, in 2009, The Boy Next Door versus Reno Sambo released a cover of this song. It's crazy that Nick <laughs> Cave got his old band, Boy Next Door, together to do a cover of this song. But stranger things have happened, I guess, Tom. I didn't actually. Is that what his first band was called? Ah, uh, yeah. Before the birthday party, oh, they were wow. called okay. Boys Next Door. So I mean, he's a, a mysterious different. genius, that's for sure. He is, absolutely. I do look forward to seeing Ayaz starring in Dogs in Space 2 at some stage. Yeah, it's going to happen. Hopefully relocated from outer Richmond to a Coke money haven in the Virgin Islands. Oh, yes. You know. Really look forward to that. <laughs> what are... These lyrics are not great. <laughs> well, <laughs> what do you got for me? Credited to Sean Kingston, to Timothy Thomas, Theron Thomas, Jason Derulo, J.R. Rotem, and Iaz, yep. which is about six too many people for this lazily tossed off bollocks. Yep. Remember the first time we met, you was at the mall with your friend. I was scared to approach you, but then you came closer, hoping you would give me a chance. Who would have ever knew that we would ever be more than friends? Remember when I was giving shit to teenage Taylor Swift for writing a cheesy song based on Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Well, it turns out there's lazier ideas for a romantic song, Ben. Like some random skank you saw outside Chadston Shopping Centre and food court and hooked up with for a bit, then you broke up with, that's the end of the fucking story. That's basically full, it. Full yeah. end of the story. Minus any even of the juicy, shaggy-style details about boning her in the back of a daddo or something. Just yep. nothing. What about the ups and downs? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing, no. Nah, just... Anything happened? Ended. No. Nah, we were together and then I was too busy, so we broke up. You feel sad? Not really. Just bone some other chicks. Yeah. Sleep. This yeah. is terrible. <laughs> um, look, dare I say we won't have to talk about eyes ever again. So you got anything more to say about this guy? No, no. Are we doing numbers this... Or are you... Sorry, what? Are we, are we going to do like... Like, you know, 
Spotify list. Oh yeah, six million for this guy Sorry. on Spotify. Fucking oath. I don't know where that came from. Um, I know. Six mil. I've never, I've never heard of him. Sean Kingston even yeah. I've vaguely heard of, but he yeah. Has, fuck. And this will cost you two dollars eighty eight. Maybe he has a hometown, you know. Don't know, don't know. But maybe anyway. the US Virgin Islands. Yeah, they love him there. The probably six too. people and a pelican that actually live there on a giant pile of mailboxes full of offshore drug money. Yep, so two weeks of that, that was no good. Um, but up next, don't worry, we've got the powerhouse. It is Jason Derulo oh, with back. In My Head. <laughs> sure. Now, Tom, this is the first uh, introduction to Jason Derulo <laughs> in his own right on the podcast. Oh, okay. But... If you can remember from 30 seconds <laughs> oh, ago, barely. he was involved barely. in the sublime lyrical content of Iaz's track. I hope you're not uh, using this as a sort of forewarning bin of a kind of theme that's going to go through this entire Derulo, year. I don't know. Of just people, the same four people, just being on yeah. every single counting song. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure, I'm sure that won't come up again. I'm sure this is the only time that I'll hear. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So look, great start of the year for Jason Derulo. He's, he's got a co-writer credit on Iaz as number one. Sure. He's popped in here with his own number one in mm-hmm. my head. Um, and so good on him. So look, for those of you that don't know, Jason Derulo's pop, R&B, hip hoppy sort of influence pop guy, which yeah. I guess is popular now and was at the start of the decade. His name Michael Jackson is as his main inspiration. Derulo starts, he's the reason I am who I am today. When I was four years old, I saw him for the first time. I saw how he moved the crowd and how people were just so touched. Look, it's hard to say from, <laughs> you know, Derulo's comments if he was referring to a metaphorical touching of people's hearts by the music or a literal touching of kids' penises by Michael Jackson. But I'll give Derulo the benefit of the doubt that he wanted to get into music so that people, you know, that have a positive emotional experience rather than he got into music so he had easy access to vulnerable children in an industry where people seem to turn a blind eye to powerful people's unacceptable and often criminal behaviour as this is the main source of their income. So Mm. I assume it's the former. (laughs) Yes. Touch hearts. I mean, yes. Not dicks. Probably a good thing Derulo's parents, for instance, didn't facilitate a meeting at that point in their son's life with... Yeah, very true. Also, maybe you want to fucking update your musical inspirations bio, bro. I mean, I don't believe in rewriting history, but there is a reason I stopped telling dates how much I liked Bill Cosby. Yeah. You know, I mean, it used to save money on buying them drinks, but still, you know, there has to be a point where you at least, you know... Just say Prince. Yeah. Who's your musical inspiration? <laughs> Prince. Dude's dead. He's, he didn't do a thing wrong in his life. Or maybe I mean, just take the word touched out of you know any description <laughs> of an experience with Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think even if you are going to say Michael Jackson is my favourite performer in the world, to sort of end that quote with, I saw how moved the crowd were and how people were so touched. It sort mm. of... I mean, that word's lost some of its you know innocence over the years. Yeah. I mean, it's like just... Recently, I was trying to get that script off the ground for that um, uh, modern reworking of Touched by an Angel called yep. Touched by a Member of the Clergy, but, mm. you know, people weren't into it. They said They said Touched by an Angel, that was fine in the 80s, yep. but, you know, Touched by a Catholic Bishop now, yep. people doesn't have the same wholesome thing that yeah. they used to have. I think the problem is, Tom, that angels are sort of are not real, so people, they're sort of, they're <laughs> off in like a, it's oh, a like a, okay. you know, it's like a sort of, um, you know, it's a fantasy type thing whereas I think sure with the 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 you know the church thing it's a bit too real but and the, people the want... pope is 
you know, he's God's basically representative God, yeah. on earth. He's, you know? yeah, so definitely, he's if the he new touches God. you, surely that's a holy experience. That is, for sure. I'll have to ask uh, Pink about it later on in the year. Indeed. indeed. Now, Derulo's expressed, Tom, that he operates in, quote, two musical modes. Sure. <laughs> so he describes one as positive PG romance dance pop, Mm-hmm. And the other musical mode as bumping faux crass club thumpers, <laughs> and he's been tweaking the two modes just enough so that they're able to offset each other, so that the audience never grows sick of either style. Mm. So this song in my head, this is his first number one here. Yeah, is this a positive PG romance uh, dance pop, <laughs> or is this bumping faux crass club thumper? Now it was originally titled in my bed. Oh, really? Which would have put it into bumping, faux, crass, <laughs> club thumping territory. But at the last minute, it was changed to In My Head, mm. which switches it over into a positive PG romance dance pop territory. Mm. You see, he operates in two <laughs> musical modes, Tom. There's positive PG romance dance pop, bumping, faux, crass, club mm. thumpers. Now, when I listen to Jason Derulo, which is <laughs> once, twice a day albums, I'll put on a Jason Derulo album. It'll come on, I'm enjoying it, it's positive PG, romance, dance pop. After two or three songs, I'm thinking, I've had enough, Jason Derulo, I'm going to press stop on the CD, put something else on. But then, a bumping faux crass club thumper will come on. <laughs> and I'll be, I'm like, whoa, he's, he's reinvented himself, mm. this is great, I'm back in. I so I'll listen to three or four of those. <laughs> sort of, you know, bumping faux crass club thumpers. Then I'm about to go, okay, I've had enough of that. About to press eject on the CD. Then a positive PG romance dance bubble. Come back in, I'm reinvested. So he shifts between the two musical (laughs) modes, Tom. There's two of them. Positive PG romance dance pop, pumping faux crass club thumpers. Two musical modes. The audience never gets bored because sure. he's working between those. Yes. That's how he works. That's how he operates. Two musical modes. And I'm invested all the way. Good on him. What do you think, Tom? Well, as far as I could tell, it mostly seems to involve changing the occasional word, like the word bed to the word head. Yeah. Because if there's That's a difference, the difference, musically speaking, between the two, between the Derulo rating system, I couldn't tell. I mean, he does have songs called If I'm Lucky, Take You Dancing and Marry Me, on the one hand. Yeah. Then he also has songs like Swallow, Talk Dirty and Karma Sutra. Uh, I mean, tech, okay, it's possible he's a funny guy and all the filthy sounding songs are actually innocent and vice versa, but the only way to tell would be to listen to them all and I don't like his music very much. Uh, I find that very much like his facial hair, an extremely small amount of Derulo's music goes a very long way. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Agreed. Yeah. yeah so, well, I mean, look, I don't know about his two musical styles, but mm. he certainly isn't scared of using every 2010 EDM cliche in the book. Uh, 30 seconds into this song, we've had fake radio station snippet of old song used as intro. Yep. DJ repeating his own name. Yep. Distorted vocal shout out to the suburb you grew up in. Multiple air horn stabs. T-Pain rip-off auto-tune vocals mm-hmm. and fakey pseudo-rock guitar sample beat stabs kind of things. If this was any more 2010, it would be using a brand new iPad to investigate these new Instagrams that everyone's talking about, then immediately getting bored and watching The Tooth Fairy starring upcoming talent Dwayne Rock Johnson. <laughs> 
but yeah, which would have been a better use of my time than watching this music video, frankly, just just him standing around in a car park, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Look, Derulo dated friend of the podcast, Jordan Sparks. Ah, good old Nowhere Jordan. Years, so we love you, Nowhere Jordan. Nowhere Jordan joke, but... Um, Sounds better when it lasts for three seconds instead yeah. of ten minutes. Sorry. <laughs> she was able to extract herself from that toxic musical relationship with Chris Brown. It can be hard to get out of a toxic relationship mm. at the best of times, but I imagine it's even harder to get out of a toxic duet relationship as the song's been committed to tape and it's there forever and mm. you can't really escape it. But True anyway, that. so they broke up. Then on the 8th of May 2021, he had a son with his girlfriend, Jenna Frooms. And the couple broke up on the 23rd of September, 2001. Jeez. Now, I don't want to tell Jason Derulo how to live. I don't want to tell him how to live his life. I don't want to tell him how to be a parent. But if you've just had a kid, you might want to give it more than six months, I think, before calling it quits forever. I'm just saying, Jason, stick around. You know, I know you're touring the world. But how will your son ever learn about the two musical modes? Positive PG dance pop. Or bumping Focrass Club Thumpers if you're not there every day to teach him. You that see, sort of stuff. this is the problem with relationships, Ben. Yep. You know, too many people get in at the bumping Focrass Club Thumpers level, yep. but then they can't sustain it through the, the PG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, he's he's a hypocrite. The PG one? Uh, positive PG romance dance mm, pop. So. You know, so they 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 could do the club thumping. Yeah. metaphorically but they couldn't do the PG exactly. dance pop raising an actual human child yeah, part for know. sure and I don't know I don't want his son to grow up being well versed in positive PG romance <laughs> dance pop but not knowing anything yeah. about bumping faux crass club thumpers that's the thing you know children kids raised without a male role model in the home you know they have How's to pick up their knowledge of thumping faux crass club thumpers from the I playground. At the, or the club, maybe. Oh, exactly. But yeah, the playground also, which would be, you know, about sure. the same intellectual level as most of these songs are pitched at, admittedly, but less pumping bass. Yeah, you know? no, indeed, indeed. But I'll tell you what I like about Jason Derulo, Tom, sure. and you mentioned it earlier, and that's at the start of every one of his songs, to the best <laughs> of my knowledge. He says his own name. Yes. Jason Derulo. It was the fashion at the time. I believe Flo Rida I think he still does it now. I think and even... uh, Timberland yeah. was also a big fan. I'm pretty sure I heard a Jason Derulo song last mm. year and he still does it. So, And that's what I like about it because you're in the IGA or at the Coles trying to get some eggs. Coles Radio's blasting. And you're listening to a song. It comes on. You're tapping your toes. You're clicking. You're going, yeah, you're really into it. And then you're like going, what is this song? Mm. Who is this? And it's then true. Jason comes on and goes, Jason Derulo, and it puts you at ease immediately yes. because you know who you're about to get and what you're about to get. So that when you get home after doing the shopping, you can sit down on the couch, you listen to the song again, you're like, mm. I love that Jason Derulo song. You get it on Spotify, YouTube, you do some Googling, you find it. But if you don't do, if Jason doesn't say his name, you're at the supermarket, you get home, you wait, you're sitting on the couch whole afternoon thinking, what's that song? I need to hear that song again. And you're cursing yourself for not shazamming it, for not doing the research. You're wasting all that time. You're going, ah, oh. Jason cuts that out and says, I'm saying my name. So whenever you yes. hear his song, you know it's him. And 
It's those small touches, I think. Because <laughs> let's face it, the rest of his music's generic as all fuck. It sounds like mm. anything else. But him saying his own name in the song, I think, really elevates that for me. I think he should go even further and put it in at the end as well to back oh, announce yeah. his own name. Yeah, definitely. Well, just in case you only hear the last 10 seconds of the song. I mean, I do. I appreciate this. Uh, but I will say it does take a certain level of restraint. I mean, there are plenty of hip-hop songs that basically turn into a name check of every prick they ever went to school with. Yeah, that's true. And then when you get home, you can't remember which of them, if any, was responsible for the one verse of actual rhyming that nestled you... in the middle of their fucking audio address book that you've <laughs> just listened to, you know. So you don't... You need there to be more song than name. And yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. But I agree yeah. No, I, I, I get the idea of an audio trademark of just going... Yeah, no. Jay, he should have went one further, did it at the back end, and he should have taken a leaf out of Crazy Town's book and maybe dropped his website in there as well. <laughs> www.jasonderulo.angelfire backslash. Don't so. forget to mention any uh, alcohol brands you may or may not be currently promoting in there too. Correct, yeah, exactly right. Now look, sometimes I wish we had a female perspective on this podcast, Tom. Mm. Um, I feel like that might not work because you know either you or I would have to be an ex-football player to keep the tried and tested Australian radio announcer ratio intact <laughs> of being a dude sometimes a low level comedian or some sort of TV host ex the block contestant maybe mm-hmm. the bachelor that's usually the one then there's the ex-footballer and then there's the chick one that's sort of the format that I do mm-hmm. and the reason it would be good to have a female perspective on the podcast is right now I'd like to ask them if you pulled into a 7-Eleven car park and there was a dude with two of his mates doing the robot as part of a choreographed dance piece, is that enough to persuade you to go to the nightclub with the guy? Or is it an early warning sign that this dude is unhinged to the point that any further contact with him is not recommended? Mm. And what if the guy was doing that, but he had a pencil-thin Craig David beard? Yeah, even calling it pencil-thin is pushing it. We're talking more like it. 0.5 millimeter fine liner. Yeah, from definitely. The art supply store. I yeah. think. Was yeah, it HB no. or a two B? I, I don't know. <laughs> I would say a very highly sharpened four H. I think. Yeah. Fine. Uh, <laughs> to the point where he's risking cutting his own yeah, face I'd off. Yeah, so. But I think in my mind that would depend on the quality of the robot that was being yeah. performed. If we're talking a very good old school 80s two person robot I might consider a threesome with those two guys because they're obviously very highly in sync and possibly already romantic partners with matching tracksuits so you know that's the kind of insight that perhaps a female (laughs) member of the podcast could provide provide, you know I'm just having a guess yeah because I mean that's you've mentioned it before Tom earlier that's what this podcast is it's just Jason Derulo and friends doing a robot in a 7-Eleven car park yeah the video sorry as a way of meeting chicks Um, and look, it I've looks like it. they're about to go somewhere, but they never actually they go don't. anywhere. It's no, just no. like teenagers hang around in a car park before nothing happens. Yep. They just fuck around in the car park. I've tried it, Tom. It doesn't work. Chicks <laughs> are not interested in this. No, um, you need at least you need to be able to do kick flips. Yeah, look, it, I will minimum. say, I will say, it does have more success in a FoodWorks <laughs> car park. Um, as FoodWorks shoppers have lower expectations across the board generally. That's true. In, Every facet of life. Yes. Not just in their grocery shopping, but also when looking for a romantic partner. So if you're going to do a poor robot, find a food works mm. and give it a go there. Now, Jason has said this, Tom, quote, I never write songs down. I feel like the pen dilutes the music. <laughs> I get a concept, go into the booth and just start singing. I start off with a melody and then figure out the words to match. 
Do you think that a pen dilutes the, the, the music? I think he uh, used up all the ink in the pen drawing his own facial hair on. Yeah, but, I true. mean, lyric-wise, I am shocked, Ben. Truly, I'm shocked. I can't believe any man could somehow just extemporise lyrics such as some dudes know all the right things to say. When it comes down to it, it's all just game. Instead of talking, let me demonstrate, yeah. Get down to business and skip foreplay. Ooh. Well, I mean, I'm definitely trying that on my next Hinge date. I tell you <laughs> what. Do you, has Rulo discovered a dating secret that men have missed for thousands and thousands of years, Ben? No, that I'm you not just sure. walk up to someone and say, look, I'm shit at pickup lines, but if you don't have plans over the next five seconds, how about we just raw dog it dry in the men's toilets? I'd say so. <laughs> I mean... I've never tried it. Maybe maybe he has. Maybe that's why they're in the car park, because he never true. gets to the nightclub. He's too busy fucking in the back of the car yep. with his no foreplay, do you want a root secret? Exactly. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely romantic, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm just glad he didn't write those lyrics down. I'd hate for them to be diluted. <laughs> they were so strong as they are. And There's that, not a word out of place, no, is you, there? You, you can't put, take anything I away from if you from put that. pen to paper on those, that'd be a lot worse. Yeah, so I'm glad that he just right. went in there, ad-libbed that, kept them as they were. So. The, only, the only thing is that I fear that, you know, maybe one day they'll be lost to future civilizations yeah. because they never were written down. Yeah, know. exactly. Digital media is so ephemeral. I wouldn't like to think that... Instead of talking, let me demonstrate, get down to business and skip foreplay would ever be lost to time. <laughs> yeah, I wish other people would try that out though, sort of, um, <laughs> you know, a Dan Brown style thing. I don't write things down because the pen dilutes the, the, the book, you know, so yes, that's other right. people. So <laughs> sure. might try that at work, mm. <laughs> you know, I haven't done my report because I feel like the pen dilutes. Well, and... I have heard from numerous visual artists over the years, the... And, and some writers too, the whole, I like to go into things without a plan, yep. you know, because I feel like pre-planning, you know, I lose the sort of inspiration that comes from the actual process. But with those people, you do often tend to notice that everything they do is kind of exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, true. So maybe maybe a combination of the two things. <laughs> you can, you I never know. have a plan. I just go up, hot off the sort of, mm, you know, off the, mm. off, off the top of my dome as um, yeah. Bob Funk MC. And when I say. come up to the drawing board and think, what should I draw today? And I have no ideas in my head. Then the first thing that pops into mind is, well, how about the last thing I drew? I just draw that again because yeah, it's exactly. easy. Like, and that's still in my brain because it's the last thing I did, you yep. fucking twat. Yeah. Anyway. But if you do it with four four times in a row, four days in a row, you end up with Donatello, Leonardo, <laughs> Raphael, Michelangelo, and you've got a hit on your hands, Hey, Tom. if you can get anyone to pay you draw, to draw Ninja Turtles, then I take my hat off. You're Absolutely. the expert and I'm not. So for sure. Go for it. Um, 34 mil. On Spotify, it's a lot for Jason fuck Derulo. Really. It's an absolute fuck. I mean, he's still doing he's shit. Still, he's still and he, he does production out. and shit he too, does. same as the other guys. Still like cranking him. this out and, um, and still saying and his, his own name as well. $1.50. I, I remember the name. I'd forgotten the the supplementary uh, the supplementary business card style address code <laughs> where you go, you've got two different guys. So one guy, Jason Derulo, and another guy goes, 
Biggest thing of hearts, you know, yeah. like as well. Like, I wish I had an audio business card like that. Yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. Yeah, he knows what's up, and I respect him for sticking with it <laughs> 10 years deep at this stage, I believe. So, good on him. Um, so, that was number one for two weeks. Coming up next, 8th of March, it is Rihanna with Rude Boy. Rihanna's back, and holy shit. Yeah, she really needs to meet Jason Derulo. They're on the same timetable. <laughs> Straight up, unlubricated public banging. That's what they're into. Absolutely. Now, Tom, we usually leave the lyrical highlight to the end, and I, I assume that you may have some other lyrics that you want to discuss. No, um, please. But I feel like the best starting point when doing a deep analysis of Rude Boy is the song's opening lyric itself. Come here, Rude Boy, boy, can you get it up? <laughs> now, that's a call to arms if ever I've heard one, mm, Tom. Mm. I do find it difficult to imagine any straight man on the planet finding themselves in a scenario where a possible sexual encounter with Rihanna is on the cards and not being able to get it up. Yes. And if you can't, then you need to seek urgent medical advice, I, I dare say. Now, to be honest, that's probably the absolute least of Rihanna's problems, meaning a dude that can't get it up. Although the next line, come here, rude boy, boy, is you big enough, mm. suggests that Rihanna has probably acquainted with some possible suitors that are not large enough in the <laughs> cock department. I'm not sure what size dick Rihanna is looking for, but if I had to hazard a guess... I'd say large to very large. She's a girl with standards. She is, yep. Look, we'll never know, I guess, unless Rihanna releases a sort of rude boy dildo range. <laughs> we do know she's a businesswoman first and foremost, so that is on the cards. There was sort of, I think there was a time, well, I feel like there was a time where only probably like porn stars or opportunists who would do anything for money, you know, like Paris Hilton or the entire Kardashian family <laughs> would do a dildo range. But I feel like these days anyone could probably do one and it would be classy. I think we're sort of more oh, sex yeah. positive these days. I don't really think even people we, would care. Even crazy shit like fucking goop, you know, I feel like yeah, exactly. say what you like about Gwyneth Paltrow, but she's sort of kind of just like. kind of middle class white person legitimized all these weird yeah, Outtry vagina kind of, candles and yeah, fucking any old sexual pot sex positive nonsense you can think of. Yeah, exactly. So I think Rihanna should probably do it, and then maybe we'll get an idea of the the exact rude boy dick <laughs> size that she's after. Ben, so, ben, sh- hang on one second. Have we actually checked to make sure that she doesn't have a dildo range yet? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just one hundred percent possible that she does. She probably does. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, look, we'll um, we'll edit that in. I'll do sure. some good edit that in later. It's okay. Um, look. Okay, I say anyone, but maybe if the dude from Nickelback released a flaccid rubber <laughs> penis he could chew on like he did his own dick with no practical application as a dildo whatsoever, that would be opportunistic and probably inappropriate. But anyone else, I think Rihanna, clearly, we've just talked about this. Certainly Fergie, I think Fergie's dildo range. Nicki Minaj, Queen Elizabeth II, it all works as far as I'm concerned. Couldn't we just, as a sidebar, reiterate <laughs> once again, like the anal cunt story, just yep. in case anyone didn't know, that the guy from Nickelback once voluntarily told an anecdote to a reporter about how he once sucked his own dick. Yeah. His <laughs> own flaccid dick sort of stretched it into his mouth. So it's I have a theory. For a case of beer, I think, was I, the... Um, I have the a theory. Uh, it's called the chef's hat effect, which is named after a Seinfeld episode that I won't explain in detail because it will take too long. But basically it says that reality, most of the time, is more uh, boring and, um, you know unnarratively satisfying than movies or human narratives constructed narratives but in about you know 
X percent of cases, small number of cases. It's far weirder and more, but more contrived mm. and bullshit sounding than fiction. E.g., if I wrote a story about a fucking shit rock character like the guy from Nickelback, yep. and I wrote a story about him in an interview telling the interviewer a story about him sucking his own dick yep. like outside of a sort of drug-fueled mania, then it would seem Too ridiculous. Yep. It would seem way... like you would. Why would anyone ever say that to an interviewer? Yep. If you'd even done that, why would you tell anybody, you know, let alone... You know, yep. It's the... Uh, oh man, it's like those things where is, you know, it is those and things and it's the perfect band to have done that because yeah. it just metaphorically summer, it's too obvious a metaphor is what I'm saying you know it's when something happens in real life and you think if somebody wrote that you would accuse them of being the hackiest yes, most bullshit exactly. writer because yeah. it's so ridiculous and mm. then it happens in real life and people go oh okay yes good <laughs> I mean but there it is you know for sure now look this song, Rude Boy, um, we, we had some Rihanna songs at the end of the last decade as well. This this is from a new album from Rihanna. Rated R. Rated R, sorry, yep. yep. And then Which she's got another one. Which was considered a darker album for her, yep. like a more sort of uh, edgier kind of album. Yeah. So this album itself, Tom, um, from a lyrical perspective, is a roller coaster. You have this song yep. about meeting a dude and being concerned about him not being able to get an erection. And that's completely different to other songs on the album, like um, the preceding single, Hard, which is about meeting a dude who has no problems getting an erection. So <laughs> it goes through the whole gamut of not being able to get an erection, getting an erection. So there's all kinds of songs on this album. The video for Hard pays homage to the classic Captain Jack song that I was talking about mm-hmm. before. Captain Jack, um, Rihanna's in the Captain Jack role. She's sort of yes. like a bit of a military person giving yes. people some training. Although, as you say, the roles have now been reversed yep. with the woman in the position of power over the men. Uh, however, the wardrobing has not been reversed, meaning that Rihanna spends the whole video in her gruds standing around fully clothed male soldiers in full tactical battle dress. Yep, correct. That's definitely not a metaphor for anything and doesn't need to be explored further. Certainly does not, no. Exactly. So, look, the video for this song, sorry, that was for the video of Hard. This yep. is this video itself, um, Rude Boy. It uses an animated backdrop technique. It's very colourful, very bright, yep. very playful. Uh Rihanna wears a series of outfits yeah. aimed at enticing the would-be suitors to, quote, get it up, mm. I assume. And there was very little, you know, budget spent on the... We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the Lady Gaga song. Yeah. Um, Just Dance, you may recall, you said Tom, Lady Gaga had a lightning bolt glued to her face. <laughs> the director of that song also directed this song. Yeah. And I assume she had a bit more money this time. Yeah. Right? No, it's quite a cool sort of stylish video. It's yep. kind of a sort of... A bit more like an 80s graphic design vibe. Like you say, there's more sort of visual, you know, 2D stuff going on in the background and, yeah, more sort of overlaid colours. I think it's definitely more interesting than, say, some twat on a BMX trying to fawn a chick at the beach that might be in the Caribbean but might not, as previously mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Um, This, uh, yeah, as you said, this is Rihanna's sixth Billboard number one, six weeks at the top. Uh, per producer tour, Eric Kermanson, this was probably the first session we did with Esther Dean, 
uh, who's the pit perfect actress who's written for Nicki Minaj, Mary J. Blige, Britney Spears and others. Rihanna came up with the title. She said she wanted to do a song called Rude Boy and gave that idea to Esther. So I mm. guess it's a two-word idea. Uh, we made this beat with a guy called Rob Swire. He used to be in the electronic group Pendulum, mm. who are Aussie doof legends in the aughts, that sort of um, drum and bass guys. I saw them live a few times. Uh, this was right when we started experimenting with the combination of trancier EDM sounds and slower hip-hop beats. Rude Boy was one of the earliest examples of those sounds coming together. Rihanna left for an hour or two, came back, and then we played it for her. She was just blown away. Did you guys just do this? She said. So, another taxi club. Yep. Uh, she was the one who really fought for that record and knew what it was. I don't think even we knew what it was. There are some records everyone believes in, like, oh, this is a big single, but nobody talked about Rude Boy until the album came out. We were worried Brood Boy wasn't going to make the cut because Rated R was so dark. Um, you know, it's not exactly death metal, but I guess compared to her previous album, Roller Coaster. Uh, but to Rihanna's credit, she was the one who wanted to keep it. And she said she liked the West Indian flavour to the beats. I don't know what to say about that. But yeah, I'd say it's definitely the best song of the year so far. Oh, Take yeah. this over Owl City anyway. Absolutely. Um, how many musical modes does Rihanna work in? <laughs> well, so far we've got two which is uh, stuff that sounds a lot like Lady Gaga, and <laughs> now she's moving into that, but it's rated R. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Look, I think we're going to get to talk about, spoiler alert, um, some more Rihanna later mm. in this episode, mm. and she has another musical mode as well, Tom. Um, she's <laughs> yes. got a couple more musical she's modes. She's discovering them as she goes definitely, along. Definitely right. Um, lyrical highlights. Uh, is this song about Peggy and Ben? <laughs> 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 I was gonna. Uh, that was something I was gonna ask you because, um, what, <laughs> rude boy, boy, can you get it up? Rude boy, mm. boy, um, are you big enough? And what comes after that? Uh, I like when you tell me kiss you there. Sure. Yep. I like when you tell me move it there. Mm-hmm. Question mark. So giddy up, time to get it up. You say you a rude boy. Show me what you got now. Come here right now. Take it, take it, baby, baby. Yeah. Mm, take it, take it. Love me, love me. Yep. So maybe when she's asking about the size of the thing that the guy's producing, that it is perhaps something that she's got from adult shop and the yeah. guy's brought it to the party and she's, you know, she's not talking about his own equipment, but rather the yeah. literal piece of equipment that he's produced. I feel stupid now, Tom. I've been talking about well, maybe what, she's worried that my... the strap that she wears won't be big enough. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I've I've talked about this at the start. We've talked about, you know, is the song about Rihanna's romantic partner not being able to get it up? And I think, I think, I feel like an idiot now, Tom, because you're right. It's obviously about <laughs> Rihanna's strap-on dildo range. <laughs> Um, I'm just asking questions. I, I it think, can be both. No, you know? it probably is. Yeah, <laughs> certainly, certainly sounds like. If it's um, not, she's can, missed a trick because she could have just used this song in the ad straight yeah. away. You know, can yeah. When she's asking the rude boy if he can take it, um, then mm, yeah, I think mm, I, I think like it when you tell me move it there, so forth. I think we're working <laughs> in that territory. So it could be a song about erectile dysfunction. It could be a song about. Um, Rihanna's um, penchant for strap-on dildos and, and dudes <laughs> mm. taking it, but perhaps we'll never know. Let's get Rihanna on the podcast. We'll reach out to her and we'll, we'll find out what she has to say about that. But she's a billionaire. She's got a lot of businesses. She probably mm. doesn't have time to come on the podcast. <laughs> I'll reach out to her on Twitter and see what we can, we can find out. So um, 50 mil? 
for Rihanna. Yeah, it's a fuckload, but up the very top. Tell you what, she's, um, she's got a lot of hits, and we're only just getting started. Yeah, this shit, yes, I'll tell you that. No, this is, and this will cost you seven dollars fifty. That's about almost as expensive as we've had so far. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so that was number one for two weeks. Anything else to say about no, Rihanna? No, no. What have we got next? Best song of the year so far. That one was <laughs> not this one. No, not for sure. Up no. next is Train with Hey Soul Sister. <laughs> Now, Tom, remember when you said you were longing for a guitar? Do you take that back or are you still, you're still sort of hanging on to that? Well, at this point in the year, no. I'm no, not okay. longing for a guitar, especially after I hear this shit. But well, yeah. that's, that's a bit of a... That's sort of a, a fake question, as we'll find out later on, because um, guitar using this song... Well, well, I don't want to spoil it. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But Technically. Look, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, Tom. Oh, um, okay doesn't happen often but when I am wrong I am prepared to say yes I made a mistake mm. I made an error I said something that in hindsight was incorrect at the time and I'm prepared to take that back so listeners when I first heard drops of Jupiter I thought to myself this sucks shit <laughs> but I'll never have to hear anything as bad as this ever again but I'm also confident I'll never have to hear this band perform again mm. but here we are about a decade later and trainer back with hey soul sister and i was indeed wrong yeah. i did have to hear them again and yes i did have to hear something as bad if not worse than drops of jupiter yeah trainer still around now yeah now isn't it amazing being you know bands like joy division the smiths nirvana you know they can exist for the space of only a handful of years, yep. you know, three years in some cases, yet irrevocably changed the musical landscape. Mm. And on the other hand, bands like Train can cash checks for three decades, mm -hmm. leaving the same lasting imprint as a burnt CD of a Led Zeppelin cover album just <laughs> flung into the Grand Canyon. You know, <laughs> there you are. Just, I, I, I couldn't believe that. The, I mean, I remembered vaguely oh they had one song oh yeah and then they had that other song and it was oh hang on that was seven years before yeah. and then there's no sorry 15 years before and then they're still around now like oh, man. still giving it real look Train formed in 1993 Tom if you want to know the history of Train sure <laughs> at the heart of grunge sorry the very height of the mm, grunge sort of sure. era so credit where credit's due I do respect the fact that they didn't just jump on a, a happening trend at the time. They could have easily have done that. They didn't do that. They forged ahead in their own puss rock style <laughs> from the very beginning. So, you know, respect yeah, to that. Puss rock was really not having a moment in 93. No. It's having a pretty big fucking moment again. But, yeah. You know. Look, the best part of this song, and look, admittedly, Tom, it's an extremely low bar to get over, is that they rhyme Hey Soul Sister with Is That Mr. Mister on the uh... stereo. So they rhyme Soul Sister with Mr. Mister. And the reason that's the best part is it makes me think of the Mr. Mister track, Broken Wings. Yes. Take these broken wings. Mm -hmm. Which is a significantly better song than this. It's now, a far, far better song yeah, than this. It's significantly better. That's great. <laughs> um, go do yourself a favour, listen to that Mr. Mister <laughs> track. The worst part... Um, <laughs> this goes sure? as well. The, the sure? Okay, the, stick with me, Tom. The worst part is that the whole song is done on a ukulele, oh. an instrument solely the domain of shirtless dudes with shit tattoos and no self-awareness in parks, trying to impress chicks but falling shorter than Kanye's shot at the presidency. Yeah, and by the way, that ukulele part was written and played by a guy called Espen Lind. He's not even in the band. Jeez. The fucking hook for this song wasn't even written by the band. Even the ukulele player is too good for this ass custard group. 
week. Fucking train, train yourself to suck yeah. less shit, why aren't you? And look, musically, this is fucking garbage, but also from a lyrical perspective, and you're obviously going to do some lyrical highlights later, oh, Tom, please. but train singer um, Pat Monaghan wrote this one about the Burning Man Festival. Oh, yep. Um, without having actually attended the festival. So <laughs> this Christ. isn't, you know, this isn't Woodstock. Uh, this isn't something that's on, you know, once like Woodstock. And yeah. it's like, oh, I, mi- I missed Woodstock. Yeah, it's but not I've a historical a so- event. No, that it's on every year. It's on, it's on every fucking year. He could have gone whenever he wanted to, <laughs> but he didn't. Uh, and I assume that he chose not to go because Train were never invited to perform there. <laughs> so were Train invited to Woodstock 99, which, you know, the best Woodstock in my opinion. Were they invited to the Basin Concert 99? <laughs> they could have performed between Christina Nu and the Mavises, but they well, didn't. So I'm calling it, Ben. Train are officially too shit for the Basin Concert. Yeah, I'm saying I'm not too. saying the Launceston City Council wouldn't let them play, but I am definitely saying they would get VB cans filled with piss thrown at them oh, at the Basin Concert. That goes without saying. I mean, why in the living shit would you write about something you haven't been to <laughs> when you could go to it's it? It's fucking mental, isn't it? Yeah. Good Lord. So, I mean, I, I do understand that sort of people taking a sort of historical perspective and saying, oh, I'm going to write a song or a film about... Yeah, yeah, as you said, a historical event. But, you know, I don't yeah. go, oh, I've never, ever been to Coachella. I'm going to write a song about what it must be like to go. Just yeah. fucking go there. Just go and do it. So exactly. writing a song about a music festival you've never been to seems to be what I would consider an unsound idea. Mm-hmm. And speaking of unsound ideas, in 2016, Train released Train Does Led Zeppelin 2, <laughs> um, in which Train the band that brought us Drops of Jupiter decided to have a stab at A Whole Lot of Love and the other eight tracks that make up that album. Um, Do you think there's a person on the planet that thought, oh, finally, I've always wanted to know what Led Zeppelin 2 would have sounded like if recorded by Train? I highly doubt anyone alive (laughs) would want to do that. I mean, we're not talking about some sort of obscure album. They've recorded an album which, you know, historically, Led Zeppelin were a very big, if not the biggest band at that time in the in the late 60s early 70s it's one of their iconic albums mm. whole lot of loves an iconic song so i think having a go at that <laughs> when you're the drops of jupiter guys i mean fuck that seems like pretty poorly thought I mean, out even from the perspective of a listener like if you want to hear a bunch of sketchy led zeppelin covers you could just buy a fucking five dollar discount cd copy of encomium if you want to hear four non-blondes do Misty Mountain That's true. And even then, you get ten different sketchy versions instead of ten (laughs) ones by the same Dropkicks who did Drops of Jupiter. I mean, this band's pretty bland, so I can't imagine that they're using any creative sort of... Tearing the roof off. Exactly. So look, but here's what's happened, and here's one thing that I guess... I'm not going to say credit where credit's due, but what they've done is Train have said, we've taken this classic album, we're going to do it in its entirety, but we're going to do it for charity. Mm. So that's what they've declared. So that way, if anyone says that's fucking garbage, (laughs) which I'm sure many people Mm. did, Train can respond, it's for a good cause, and then that sort of gives them a pass. It's like, oh, well... Yeah. Okay, they did it's sort of how Bob Geldof has got away with recording some of the worst yeah. music known to man for you know over the past couple of decades. Oh, but it's for the kids of Africa. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I can't really you know get excited about this song, this album, too much that Led Zeppelin thing. But I can't wait to hear Nirvana redone by Machine Gun Kelly for Monkeypox. Never mind. <laughs> Hopefully he does that. That'd be great. Well, look, I think we need to look into a preemptive 
Kickstarter app. Yeah. Where uh, whenever we hear about, say, Hinder using Amnesty International as a front for an upcoming Janis Joplin cover album, <laughs> we can quickly raise the equivalent amount in projected sales, yep. say $18.50 in this case, <laughs> and simply pay the band not to make it in the first place. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. It might be the only thing standing between the world and another do they know it's Christmas, Ben. And if that inadvertently makes us international heroes, then that's a price I'm willing to pay. Look, I do remember that, um, you know, James Blunt has got a lot of shit over the years for, you know, yeah, beautiful, it's true. But Mm. I think he's sort of um, come to terms with the fact that, you know, people sort of give him a bit of shit and the song's (laughs) not the best. But I do remember last year... um, I think it was a yeah people were raising a lot of money during covid times and for various yep. causes and he did come out on twitter and say look I'm prepared to um you know take money for charity to not reform or not <laughs> you know play music so he's, he's so that was like funny. Darren Hayes he's someone yeah. whose music I don't like at all but who is f- quite funny on twitter and seems to entertain themselves just by just idly ping-ponging back at people who give them shit yeah. for sucking on Twitter. And self-aware enough to sort of be like, a lot of people don't like the music, yeah. but it's fine. I can, you know, not, I can Not still... angrily, just yeah. like, it's oh, it just gives me a never-ending excuse to just have a go at people yeah. for saying shit about me, you know, but yeah. So, so it's so, much like that. He's prepared yeah. to say, you know, give me money for charity and, and I, I won't, won't perform yes, anymore. exactly. And I think that's the same thing with this train thing. If someone had been able to raise the money <laughs> To say train, just fucking don't do a Led Zeppelin tribute yeah. album. They would have done that. So, yeah. Um, anyway, what can you tell me about the lyrics to this? Um, Apart the, from the Mister Mister bit, <laughs> the way you can cut a rug, watching use the only drug I need. So gangster, I'm so thug. You're the only one I'm dreaming of. You see, I can be myself now. Finally, in fact, there's nothing I can't be. I want the world to see you be with me. So we've got a teetotaling white guy who calls himself a thug, can't dance, has a self-confessed total absence of personality, and is only into you because of how your public appearance makes him look by proxy. Ladies. Yeah. Lead um, singer of Train. Yeah. <laughs> boop, boop. He's out there. Cleo Bachelor of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> This racked up 6 million downloads, Tom, Jesus. and was the highest selling single of 2010. Yeah, it was a massive hit. Same as the other fucking song. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, the Mr. Mr. bit, I like that. That's <laughs> good. I, I must admit, I never realised that's what he was saying. I just thought he was saying Mr. Twice because he was a dickhead. But yep. it makes Mr. Mr. Sense. playing in the radio. It's just a weird reference to drop. I mean, Mr. Mr. Uh, probably, I would say... B-tier classic yep. rock at their highest. Really? Well, I, I from I, I think he went he um the year that he didn't go to to um, Burning Man, which was every year. I believe Mister Mister were headlining <laughs> one of those times he didn't go, so he probably well, he remembered have, that. Uh, taken those broken. He probably remembered not. I think he remembered not him. watching them and went, "Oh, okay, I'll have to get Mister Mister in there because I didn't see them because I wasn't there." But if I was there, that's that's what have happened. Or in his imaginary Burning Man yeah. experience, he maybe he just ate an extra large fucking burrito and went home, had some cheesy fries, went home and wrote it in half an hour. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think feisty (laughs) potatoes. It was. Let's move on to something. Fifteen million for train. Fifteen mil and a dollar fifty for that. Yes, one dollar fifty. Four weeks. Moving on next. Yes, something way more expired. It's Brian McFadden featuring Kevin Rudolph. 
Just say so. Mm, Jesus. If you've ever wanted to hear one of the members of Westlife using auto-tune dialed all the way up to the completely fucked setting, <laughs> then you're in luck. Um, it is better than the duet he did with Delta from a couple of years ago, <laughs> but Tom, admittedly, that is faint that praise. sure is. That was... Now, the video for the song was shot in the Ivy nightclub in Sydney, <laughs> so the next time you're in Sydney, if you live in Sydney, then you're there now, mm-hmm. um, or if you're other parts of Australia or the world, next time you travel to Sydney, make sure you go to the Ivy nightclub, make sure you recreate this video with your friends and upload it to TikTok. <laughs> I think that's what people do these days. Yeah. The video was done in one shot and lip-synced backwards to allow Brian to still be in sync mm-hmm. while the video is moving in reverse. <laughs> yes. Um, Take, does that take talent? I assume so. I mean, I it, it's not bad. It would be slightly more impressive if it hadn't already been done by Chibo Matto, Good Shirt, God Lives Underwater, The Far Side, Coldplay, Greg Laswell, Bush, a bunch of other people, and Danny Wilson in 1989. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, it's a very strong concept. Not the know. first time that they've done the backward ad-libbing, but yeah, look... This features Kevin Rudolph. Look, we've spoken a bit about Mike, Brian McFadden before when he, he's done that Delta duet, which was dog shit. Um, but Kevin Rudolph, I've never heard of him before. I, can't, I don't really know who this guy is, but did a bit of Googling. And it turns out in 2012, he did a re- release a track called Champions featuring Limp Biscuit, Birdman and Lil Wayne, <laughs> which I assume is very, very good. Um, I hope he wasn't referring to himself and his co-performers as, quote, the champions, because he may have been overstating it somewhere. Don't worry, Ben, because he certainly was, my friend. <laughs> was he? This, um, I, this is 100% about four champions among men. I watched the whole thing in an attempt to avoid listening to Brian McFadden yep. again, and was jazzed to see Fred Durst kick off verse one of the track with some dope rhymes showing how far he's come since the early days of rap metal. Always had big hopes as a kid, just a rotten tomato building shit out of Lego. <laughs> he is a lyrical genius. Yeah. I can understand what Kevin, Fred and Birdman are doing here. You know, the school trip to Elmo's Playland was cancelled. But Little Wayne's a bit harder to explain. <laughs> the indoor sunglasses and fluffy-eared snowboarding hat suggest that old Dr. Robitussin might have something to do with it. <laughs> oh, and it's still way better than this song, as if I needed oh, to tell no, you. No, of yeah. course it's way better than this song. How many face tats did Little Wayne have at this stage? Was, it, was he knee-deep, uh, or was he still yeah, in the early stages? If you include the sunglasses and the, the hat, uh, like, there's about... About his chin, mouth and chin area it remains tatless. The Tat rest free. of it's pretty much 100% tat. Yeah, good on him. Enjoy that. So, look, um, yeah, this song's pretty bad. So much auto-tune on this to the point that it's quite annoying. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only bit of the song you sort of remember. Like, they've dialed the auto-tune up to such an extreme. It's, it's like, weird. oh, shit, it's like ear-piercingly bizarre because the rest of the song itself is I mean, kind of bland. It's kind of like, uh, what's her name? Um, uh... <sighs> Sorry, idol contestant from a few years back that we were talking about with her early song, uh, the one from um, the 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 Sapphires. Oh, Jessica Malboy. Yeah, like the one thing about her, really, you know, it's not songwriting talent or anything, is that she can actually sing a bit in a traditional sort of way. Yeah, as can Brian and Delta. You know, they have kind of you know decent pop voices and instead just because it's fashionable at this time they just 
auto-tune the living fuck out of them. Yep. So you're essentially making it sound like to anyone who's hearing Brian McFadden for the first time that he can't sing. Yeah, exactly. The, shit. the one thing he could actually do yep. was sing a bit and he fucked his voice to the point using a machine that was literally invented to help people who can't sing sing. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean, fuck's sake. Yeah, look, it's it's not the best, but McFadden followed this up with the uh, the date rape anthem just the way you are, drunk at the bar, Tom, which featured such mm. sublime lyrics as can't wait to get you home so I can do some damage. Can't wait to get you home so I can take advantage. Wow. Now, McFadden tried to clear this up by telling the Daily Mirror, quote, I'm shocked at these ridiculous accusations about my new song. For the record, I wrote the song about how I love it when Delta has a drink, which is very rarely, <laughs> and she's dancing. So just to be clear, this isn't a song about raping women in general. It's a song about raping Delta Goodrum. So thank you, Brian, for clearing that up from what I could ascertain. <laughs> mm. From his explanation, it seems like mm. that's the way that he rolls. Yeah. I don't really know. I believe that in the legal system, this has since become known as the Robin Thicke defence. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, last week, I sent out a tweet telling Miley Cyrus that I was going to murder her at a house where she lives... But fortunately, I was able to explain that I was merely talking to my new boyfriend, who just happens to also be called Miley Cyrus. Okay. Or Cyrus the Virus, as I call him, <laughs> due to his love of the film Con Air and recent HIV diagnosis. It's a little joke we have. Yeah. You know, it's one of those little couples jokes that you have. <laughs> but yeah, that was one Robin Thicke was accused of when they said what Blurred Lines is about, you know. Yeah. You know, bony drunk cheeks. He was like, "No, no, it's about boning my drunk wife." And yeah. Like, well, partner. Like, okay. Yeah. So you're right. Because she doesn't appear in the video. It just appears to be random naked women that you're planning to bone. Anyway. Yeah. Look, I'm glad that he explained that because the lyrics um, "Can't wait to take you home, do some damage, can't wait to take you home and take advantage." I think, um, out of context. They do seem quite sketchy. <laughs> Even in context, in context they sketchy seem as fuck. quite sketchy. It's also so. a sketchy as fuck name for a song. Yeah, yeah, drunk at the bar. So look, anyway, he followed up on Twitter. Yes, it's a dumb lyric and a dumb beat. When did I ever claim to be John Lennon? So it's good to see he's acknowledging how fucking stupid his own music is. So good stuff. What are the lyrics to this one? If you're going to leave me, don't hesitate. Don't believe me, just say so. No worries, Brian. Fuck off. Yeah. Please get off the pop charts so I never have to hear you again. God almighty. I never thought I would have to hear so many songs by the second best ex-member of Westlife. Yeah, that's Fuck's true. Sake. Um, he's only got 130,000 Spotify listeners, which is probably about right. because I his can't believe he had terrible. two number ones. Yeah. I mean, Australia has fairly shit taste in music, but I wasn't aware that Westlife had made such a big bloody... Imprint. I mean, we haven't even had a Ronan Keating song no, on here yet. I he was the one who was actually on TV and stuff. Like I gather that. it's because um, of his connection with Delta, who's such a big star. Yes, so, so he I would have had a lot so. of tabloid bump up. He would have got the old Justin Timberlake bump from back yeah, in the day. exactly right. So um, I think they, they, they broke up, though. They split up, those guys. They ultimately split oh, up. and. I assume that... Love that burned that bright couldn't last. Oh, exactly right. Um, I don't know if he's in prison now, whether like Delta had to testify against him in court or anything. I don't really know, but I haven't looked into it. Anyway, so 130K for him. Um, Kevin Rudolph, I've never fucking heard of, has 1.3 million. He's got 10 times Brian McFadden, so there you go. Well, I tell you what, say what you like about Kevin Rudolph, but if Brian McFadden rung up Fred Durst, yep. Little Wayne and... 
Radio Birdman. I doubt any of them would be returning his no. calls. So, you know, um, he's got that pull. And in the Discogs category, Tom, a first for the podcast, none for sale. Huh. So there you go. Oh, shit. I wonder if that means it was never fucking... I think that there was a CD single oh, okay. on Discogs, but, but at present, there's none for sale. I'm so. assuming they're keeping it uh, inside a locked box like <laughs> that, that uh, Wu-Tang record that there was only one <laughs> copy yeah. of that would sell for a million dollars. Yeah, so I think, I think there's one in um, in that vault in the in America where they keep all, you know, the, Cong- the Library of Congress yes. or whatever, so there'd yeah. be a copy there. And they probably sent one to the moon on the last sort of moon, sure. moon mission. There's probably one on Mars or something like that. So And there'd be... One in the safe under Mowbray cash converters as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely be one there. There's one record of every song ever. <laughs> All right, up next, um, 10th of May for one, two, three, four, five, six, I think six weeks for this one. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Usher mm-hmm. featuring Will I Am, OMG. They do so, fucking. They do, don't they? So here's Usher burning up whatever goodwill he's earned with me and the general (laughs) public at large by teaming up with Will I Am on another song heavy on the auto tune. You don't even need to add that with Will I Am. No, sorry, it's it's implied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is about as annoying as Will I Am's other material. So at least he's consistent. Yeah, it sounds more like a Black Eyed Peas song than an Usher song. Yeah, it does. Um, Usher appears to be flying in one part of the music video, which I guess was was kind of cool. That's one. I was trying to look for positive. Yeah, I've, I've been yeah. shitting on Will I Am for two months, so I thought <laughs> let's try and look at, for some positives in this song. Let's look at the yeah. good stuff. Watch the music video. Usher looked like he was flying for a bit. The director Anthony Mandela's inspiration was Max Headroom, yeah. um, an animated science fiction character from the eighties, British TV. The original idea came from Max Headroom. That's where it was, the TV flickering on, and there's this character. We just wanted to bring it up today. Now, we've talked a little bit about Max Headroom before, I think, in this Mm -hmm. podcast very briefly. If you don't know, he was purportedly the first ever computer-generated television host. That was the premise. However, given it was the 80s and the technology clearly wasn't there yet, it turns out it was just a dude wearing prosthetic makeup, (laughs) contact lenses, a plastic molded suit, sitting in front of the blue screen. They did a lot of like cut, fast cut editing to make it look like he was all like, and did like effects (laughs) on his voice. So they made him look like he was a computer, but it was just a dude acting like that. So anyway, he did a Coke ad and and a few other things like that. I think he had a TV show, etc. But um, it looks like not only some listeners on the podcast might not know who Max Headroom is turns out that the director of this music video also had no fucking idea who Max Headroom was because when I watched this music video it in no way invoked the image or even the spirit of Max no, Headroom is that correct? it doesn't did you watch if, if you hadn't have read that quote would you be like ah oh, Max Headroom no. I don't know what the fuck no. he's talking about Max, Max Headroom as you say he has a fun history uh, he was a joke meta character from a UK sci-fi TV movie who then got turned into a UK chat show host parody, as you said, using yep. a guy in a mask pretending to be CGI uh, back before that was actually even possible. There was no way you could have done a face like that back then. Then he got used in a series of American TV ads and then they made another sci-fi TV series in the US. But more interestingly related to this song um, he was also portrayed by Eminem in one of Eminem's yeah, earlier true. videos yep. in a way that does actually look like Max Headroom which you would get plus Eminem's character in those videos is much closer to a s- smart ass 
Max Headroom media type figure than whatever the fuck this is supposed to be. But just as a side note, my favourite bit of uh, Max Headroom thing is, have you heard of the Max Headroom signal hijacking? I have, Tom, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, well, one night in 87, uh, the television broadcast of two stations in Chicago were hijacked by a video of an unidentified person wearing a Max Headroom mask and costume, accompanied by distorted audio and a corrugated iron panel swiveling in the background to mimic uh, the geometric background effect they used in his real videos. Um, the second incident occurred around two hours uh, after the first during a broadcast of Doctor Who and lasted for about 90 seconds. The masked person spoke throughout this intrusion and made references to Coca-Cola, the TV cartoon Clutch Cargo and the WGN anchor of the time. The video ended with the person's exposed buttocks being spanked by a woman with a fly spotter <laughs> before normal programming resumed. The best part is that despite an FCC investigation and decades of speculation, the culprits were never caught and have not been positively identified. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, Ben, but especially after the sci-fi, you know, binges we went through during lockdown, if the sci-fi movies from the 80s and 90s were to be believed, I was promised that TV shows were constantly going to be interrupted by computer hackers, yep. pirate station pranksters, Kurt Russell doing illegal car yard commercials with topless chicks, or all-channel reports of imminent cybernetic invasion, you know? These days I feel like whole months go by when nothing pops up to tell me that, say, an artificial intelligence is trying to take over Zimbabwe with flying robots, even yep. when I'm really, really hoping that it will, like, half way through any Black Eyed Peas video, you yeah. know, when I'm just desperate for a fucking, you know, guy in a Max Headroom mask to pop up and start rambling incoherently for 90 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, no one's hacked into my TV for some time, I think, Tom. I think it's safe to say that um, hackers at large are probably interested in hacking into mainframes, I think, after sort of watching the film Hackers rather than, like, trying to but do a pirate TV channel. The first hacking he does in the film Hackers, having been released from prison, I believe, is to hack into a TV, TV station. Does. That's true. In order to... Oh, man. I think more people, more if anyone out there has the skill set, any young people, hack into Southern Cross oh, for Nightly the love News. Of God, please. Hack into something and just... Throw on, it doesn't have to be a Max Headroom mask, throw something on, you know, something. Imagine, can you imagine, right. can you imagine the worldwide furor that would happen if somebody could take over YouTube for 30 seconds tomorrow yeah. and just broadcast anything on any screen currently displaying YouTube? No you know? matter what you were watching on YouTube, someone hacked in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It just appeared. Exactly. It's insane. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, that's the Max Headroom story. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what was this bullshit? Oh, Will I Am. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, well, the director somehow, I don't, I don't, maybe when I was watching the music video, I turned away for five seconds and missed it because I, I watched the music video and couldn't fucking see anything. So, I don't know. Anyway, Will I Am himself, he gave us a peek behind the wizard's curtain, so to speak, Tom, when he broke down his hit-making strategy for MTV. Quote, mm. We call it A-being. Anything you make, there's nothing new under the sun. So there's always an A and a B to whatever your approach. If you want to make a song be a number one smash, you play a Michael Jackson song while you make it. So Mm. it sounds like to me, Tom, that Will I Am is effectively just ripping off another (laughs) artist. He's listening to the Michael Jackson song and then trying to make a song that sounds as close to that as possible yes. to be a hit. 
it's a being you see it's not mm. copyright infringement mm. it's none of that so <laughs> whenever you're trying to do anything in life look at your inspiration copy it as close as possible but make just a few subtle changes yeah. so it's your own work a being there you go yes leaving aside the fact that trump style he's tried to deflect from an accusation by a openly confessing to the exact thing he was being accused of in the first place, yep. in this case plagiarism, it does force one to ask the question, if, then, what the fuck was he listening to during his last three albums? Jesus, I White don't know. goods being crushed for landfill? <laughs> A pigeon with irritable bowel syndrome? Because I'm legitimately <laughs> struggling to think of another professional artist making music this bad who he could have been copying from. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck was he listening to in the background? <laughs> It's like his own music by accident or something. Has he taken so much ecstasy that he can't remember his first few albums? Yeah. Oh, man, this is dope. Should copy this shit. Fuck me. I think you're right. I think he, he was A being, as you said, white goods being dropped you know, also, into an ocean or something. And then you're right, he just A beat his own previous material. There's also, he's also accidentally done a second cell phone, which is uh, the title of um, Andy Warhol's autobiography was from A to B and back again. Yeah. The joke being that his entire approach was about the surface layer of things. That was his whole thing. He didn't. He didn't. Didn't dig any he deeper. Deliberately didn't go any deeper. No. So he's there's no there's no A B metaphor. He's here. He's just using A and B to confess things. So he's saying he's ignoring the entire rest of the alphabet. He's not saying oh, there's someone started at A. And you're at Z, so, you know, you can start at Z and listen to A. He's saying, no, we want B, the closest letter in the yeah. alphabet to A, and avoid any further innovation that may have been made in that area. We're just going to try and come as... Yeah, oh, man. Fucking hell. Good Lord. Yeah. But what I will say, Tom, is honey got a booty like pow, pow, pow. Honey got some boobies like wow, oh, wow. Mm, yeah. um, that's a lyric yeah. from this song. What other pieces of shit are there? That, from that's you? it covered, yep. and that's still better than "Boom Boom Pow" from last year. Yep. Insanely, it's somehow better than that. Honey, Honey got, got some, some boobies. boobies. Like wow, oh wow. Did you know, an adult man still calling women's tits boobies yep, as well? Exactly. Um, Twenty-two mil for Usher. Nine mil for Will I Am. This will cost you three dollars fifty. Yeah, God, sorry, don't have a lot. How much for Usher? Uh, Twenty-two million. Oh, good. At least he's getting nearly three times as much as Usher as Will I Am. At least that's exactly. something. Although Will I Am has the black eyed peas as well. Fuck. All right, quickly, let's move on. Jesus, Harold Christ. All right, moving on. Next, twenty-one June for four weeks. It is Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg, California Girls. Yeah. This really cemented her, didn't it? After um, fucking I kissed a girl. Yeah, exactly. Was like, this was like, oh, okay, she's not going to be not, not just a one-hit wonder. wonder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So look, Katy Perry, think that's good or not? But yeah, yeah. But as you said, she's moved on. Sort of, she's progressed, moved on from that sort of. I guess some might say childish <laughs> kind of fake lesbian action of I kissed a girl. Um, with this significantly more mature work, as evidenced by the whipped cream cannons melted, melt, sort of mounted on her cans mm. in the music video. So, um, credit where credit's due. They didn't do a beach scene, sort of California whack ass music video. They went with like a Candyland yeah. type thing. Um, and as I mentioned at the top, this does feature whipped cream. <laughs> Cans that yes. she just sticks on her tits mm. and just sprays whipped cream out. Yes. So it's it's a but it's 
It's classier than how I've described it though, Tom. <laughs> that might sound yes, not definitely. so classy, but it is significantly classier. I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, ironically, this is a song in which she repeatedly describes a specific outfit in the chorus, which is set, as you say, in a specific place. But instead of working from that outfit and location, yep. director Will Cotton has decided to go with, as you say, this insane sort of Candyland thing leading up to the pop video's first lactation climax. You know, I mean, the whole thing is visually effective, tacky and slightly sickening. So it suits the song really well. And I, I mean, that's a joke, but I do mean that sincerely. It really does suit the song quite well, whether you hate it or not. Yeah. Much like the song and the rest of Perry's career, it manages to be highly suggestive on paper, like yep. if you described it to someone, and yet in actuality somehow weirdly sterile and yeah. inert, you know? I can never quite tell if this is deliberate with her. Like, if she's trying not to alienate the parents of the tweens who make up half her audience, or if she's just not very good at being actually sexy, you know, whether it's just not part of her personality... Yep. Like, this video is male-gazy as fuck. It's as male-gazy as anything from Whitesnake, yep. you know, or Motley Crue. The whole song is about how hot she is. She's almost nude in it. Yep. And yet it never... She is nude in one part, I think. Yeah. In the cloud. Yeah. Yep. And yet it never manages to feel even half as sexy as any of those trashy techno videos I mentioned last episode. No. Or even as trashy as the average Kesha video. That's you know. true. I mean, what do you reckon? Like, is she inherently sort of artificial or is she just willing to let other people dictate her entire shtick so much that it just never seems like it's her or anything real, you know? I've got a theory, Tom, and um, Kesha, who we'll discuss later on in this yeah. episode, um, she is an individual that um, I think she seems genuinely a bit wacky, Kesha. Yeah. You know, she seems a bit, you know, like sort of someone that's a bit sort of like, oh, you know, a bit hippie-ish and a bit sort of... Some yeah. of the interviews I've watched of her, it's sort of like, okay, she seems... She, she's not sort of the a boring pop star. You know, you can love her, her music or dislike it, but she seems a bit She seems odd. like she's lived some of the things she's actually talking about, even Katie if she's Perry, not very good at communicating. Yeah. Yeah. Katy Perry's um, wacky persona, I think, was dreamed up by a marketing department. Yes. She seems I very like, right. look how quirky I am, but it seems pretty fake yeah. as hell. Okay, I'll wear this kind of thing for three years and then I'll change to whatever they yeah, tell me. Exactly. Next You're right. Like, none of this... Yeah. Those... Um, I mean, it's obviously, just, it just it's the same with I kissed a girl. Like it's, yeah. it's not sexy. None of this is sexy. Yeah, even though it sounds, if you described it to someone, it sounds like it would at least be kind of trashy and sexy. But it just doesn't even really succeed at that. It's weird. No, nah, it's a garbage dump. Look, but what I like about this, Tom, Katy Perry versus, uh, it's not, right, it's not a versus. It's a feature. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a versus. Sure. What I like about this, Tom, is I love an organic collaboration mm. and look you know there's nothing worse than when you see a collaboration and you think to yourself this is just the brainchild of you know an out of touch record exec they're yeah. sort of they're looking at some old person and said oh look for you to appeal to the youth we're going to have to get an up and coming artist to come and do a guest track on your song <laughs> or vice versa there'll be a young person that's sort of up and coming and it's like well let's get an established artist in yeah. the two don't really gel together but you know you're on the same record label so it's like let's get you guys together and do that yeah. you know I, I really hate that sort of fake 
sort of collaboration. Yeah. So how do these people even know each other? Whereas, you know, this is as organic as it gets for me, yeah. Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg, where she says, quote, I was on Wikipedia and Wikipediaing the original West Coast people and thinking to myself, who's still relevant? Who's the best? Who's the cherry on top for this? And it was obvious that it was Snoop. Mm. Doesn't get any more <laughs> organic for me than jumping onto Wikipedia mm. and searching for someone and saying, who would be good for this? What this sounds like to me is someone said to Katie, you're doing the song California Girls. It's, you know, about yeah. Cali- you're from California. It's all California. So why don't we get a West Coast, let's get a Californian rapper in to yeah. do a rap bit in there to sort of, you know, just sort of tie it all together. And Katie's like, oh, yes, one of the rappers that you have, I will have to get back to you about who would be the best person to mm. have on the track. Excuse me for one moment while I go to my dressing room. <laughs> and then she quickly gets her phone out, goes mm. to Google, and she's typing in West Coast rappers because she doesn't fucking know anyone. It's like, oh, how about the Tupac guy on the California Love Song? He's dead. What about Eazy-E? He sounds like a good fellow. Dead. Oh, Snoop Dogg, he's alive. Let's get that guy. It seems pretty much like she has no fucking idea who this dude is until she hit on Wikipedia three seconds after someone suggested it. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also do like to imagine a parallel world where the Katy Perry song, California Girls, inadvertently reignites the East Coast, West Coast rap beef mm. that led to the death of Biggie Smalls and Tupac, yep. culminating in a gruesome whipped cream tit cannon drive-by yeah. outside Brazier's <laughs> nightclub in West Hollywood Definitely. that leaves 17 people severely moistened. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Would be, you know, I think Tupac, looking down from heaven, would be proud to see that happen. Unfortunately, it was not to be. Yeah, it's sort of... um. It's one of those things. Although, where... admittedly, you do get to see uh, Snoop Dogg <laughs> um, one time, the writer of no less than four different songs about gangbanging in the both sexual and drive by shooting terms, uh, stick the top of his head through clouds made of um, fake fucking uh, whipped cotton candy. Yep. So, you know, swings and rounds. I know, I know, absolutely. It is, it's good to see him involved in the music video. I wonder how many three papers he went through before that seemed like a fucking good idea. Um, I to stick my head through what? <laughs> I did read that apparently um, when he came into the studio to record his part, he was just smoking a lot of blunts and um, <laughs> I think Katie said we all got, quote, contact high, so... <laughs> Which yeah, it wouldn't stuff. go actually high with her, would it? That'd be too fucking interesting. Yeah, exactly right. So, it is surprising. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> These collaborations, <laughs> fucking yeah. sort of bizarre. But anyway, look, I think with what you've got to think about is that with Snoop, as long as the price is right, I'm sure he'd come along. Oh, and 100%. I'll He's drop, doing fucking menu log yeah, exactly. on TV right now. So, indeed. Look, musically, this sort of bears a strong resemblance to Kesha's TikTok, which is also it a Dr. Sure Luke production. It sounds almost exactly mm. the same. So Again, that's not a theme that I'm sure will reappear no, later no. on this year. Um, according to Perry, this ode to fun in the sun is the answer to Jay-Z's tribute to the Empire State of Mind. Mm, yes, with um, Perry's typical originality, the song was going to be called California Girls, spelt correctly. Uh, the spelling was changed to California Girls with a U after the passing of big star member Alex Chilton uh, as a nod to their song, September Girls, which is spelt wrong for some other 
reason that is not evident in the song. So just to tally up here, um, she's been inspired to write a song by a rap beef from a decade ago that she had nothing to do with, mm. borrowed a rapper from that same era that she'd never heard of, nicked the exact title and subject from someone else's song about the same thing for the second time in two years, yep. then at the last minute to avoid a lawsuit, changed the spelling to copy the title of another song. Good. Yep. I mean, clearly this is why she married Russell Brand. I'm thinking she was running out of shit in her own country to be inspired <laughs> by. She yep. needed to start getting some shit from the UK Madonna style. You know? yep. um, they were married at this point, I think, or roughly mm. around this time. Couldn't last though. Could yeah, it's bizarre. The um, were, were the tit whipped cream cannons. Was that original or was that <laughs> stolen from somewhere as well? I don't know. I remember seeing an interview of her around this time. I thought, think it's a low key thing, but I think it says a lot about it. She was on Graham Norton yep. at this time. She was just uh, hooked up with Russell Brand, so that was a big tabloid thing. She's in the UK where that yep. show is filmed. She goes on there and she's wearing a sprayed on, like PVC, skin tight sort of. Uh, red and white candy striped mini dress thing, yep. which was the look of this stuff. This is what she was wearing at the time. It's being all chipper and friendly and stuff. And but also, so on one foot she's got a you know stiletto, and on the other one she's got the whole boot of shame. Like she's got a full broken leg in a oh, cast yeah. and something. Like she'd broken the, her leg on a beach filming some video or something like that. And yet she's still there. Probably you know had a few valiums backstage, <laughs> but also you like you could have. You're allowed to say, I broke my leg, I don't want to do this music yep. video. She's already famous. She's got, you know, she doesn't need to be on this show in another channel. But that's just, just seems to be what she's like. She's just this driven pop person who comes across as this kind of, you know, chipper, normal seeming person. But you don't go on a talk show in a fucking skin tight, vacuum sealed yep. fucking mini skirt with a broken leg you can just in wear another reg- country. You can just wear regular clothes and just be like, yeah, yeah I broke my leg. So. To do dumb jokes about boning your boyfriend with some randos, yeah, unless you have this extreme desire to yep. be in this public eye. You know, yeah. Now, I've suggested that a wacky personal persona was created by a marketing department. Is there any chance that her marriage to Russell Brand was also dreamed up by some (laughs) sort of PR firm? Because it seems too bizarre to even... At the time, I thought that was completely bizarre. And in hindsight, I'm like, how in the living shit is this happening? It seems weird, but sometimes a relationship can exist in two modes. You've got your PG... (laughs) <laughs> Club True. friendly yep. mode, and then you've got your your hard uh, what yep. was it? Faux base, <laughs> faux <heavy>, crass, <laughs> faux crass. Club base thumper. heavy thumpers. Yeah, yep. you know she does operate in two modes. I think you're right. So <laughs> I'm saying she was the PG mode, and he was the base heavy club thump yep. mode. Fair enough. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a good metaphor. It just I can't let it go. Lyrics. What do you got? Uh, written by Perry. Bonnie McKee, Max Martin. Oh, Max. And, yep, and Dr. Luke. He's again. back. Uh, sex on the beach. We don't mind sand in our stilettos. We freak in my Jeep. Snoop Doggy Dog on the stereo. Oh. Uh, Katy Perry, or should I say Katie Hudson, yep. as she's actually called, was an intensely career-focused Christian artist till she was, like, 20, and an intensely career-focused A-list pop star every day since then. Frankly, I do not believe that she has ever had sex on a beach, or in a Jeep, or enjoys getting sand in her stilettos, or listens to Snoop Doggy Dog on no. the stereo while getting railed in a Jeep or otherwise. 
I hate to say it, Ben, really, it gives me no pleasure, but sometimes sometimes I, I even wonder if she really can shoot whipped cream out of her tits. Yeah. Or whether uh, that was just faked. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's... I know, question that some, too, Tom. They say never meet your heroes, you know, <laughs> even if they might cover you with whipped cream shot out of their tits. Yeah, I question the, the authenticity <laughs> of that as well. I completely agree. So, um, But look, she'll do some more food-based work later on. I think I mentioned <laughs> Bon Appetit a couple of episodes mm, ago mm. Um, where she talks about the lyrics involve her getting eaten out by the Migos. So it's sort yes. Of a, yeah, <laughs> which is good stuff. So up next... Uh, sorry, no, no, no. Before I do that, 45 million listeners for, uh, for yep. Katy Perry. Well, that's close. She's still not, she's not up to Rihanna, you know. No. 22 mil for uh, Snoop Dogg, and this will cost you $4.40. So, there okay. you go. Cool, all right. What's up next, then? Um, up next is Eminem featuring Rihanna. Mm. There you go. Love the way you lie. Now, Tom... This is Eminem's puss rock phase, and by that I mean every hard rock band eventually starts releasing weak as piss soft rock. It does seem to be a phase. I mean, to be fair, a lot of bands simply skip the first part and start, like, train style at puss (laughs) rock stage and never go any higher, but, you know, Exhibit A, uh, Bon Jovi, Bad Medicine makes you want to punch a hole in the wall, hard as nails. Only a few short years from that, they're doing Always. Mm. You know, is that the one with Felicity in the music video, I think? <laughs> Which is fucking weird as hell. Weak as fuck. Well, this is the rap equivalent of that, going from, you know, that sort of edgy, harder, sort of shitting on celebrity rap type thing to this. It's weak. It's sort of a weaky, sort of piss-weak, soft rap bullshit. Yeah. Is I, that a fair assessment? I don't no. hate this one, but I think... I think the bit that doesn't work that connect up with what you're talking about is the is that it's kind of a it's sort of half of it like you say sounds like half of it sounds like rap and half of it sounds like a weird soft rock yep. kind of thing jam and it doesn't really yeah I feel yeah, like look, that's not that's not his tone that doesn't no. think that works with his shit very well well, he's attached himself to one of the biggest stars at the time. Yeah, around, totally. So he's selected that. that. So the song itself, I think, um, looking at some of the background of this, I guess it's about toxic relationships, mm. domestic abuse, I guess, between Eminem and his own partner. So, you know, I guess Rihanna has experienced that herself. Um, I'm not sure whether Eminem pulled a Katy Perry and was just on the <laughs> Wikipedia page for singers who've been in abusive relationships and just went, oh, once he'd weeded out the dead ones, just got Rihanna. I'm not sure whether that's sort of if Eminem yeah. operated in that it's sort of similar thing. go with Tina Turner. That would have... Oh, well, she know, could have. That yeah, would exactly. have been something really interesting. So I'm not sure whether that's just a coincidence. She wouldn't that, have put up that this puss rock. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, it's a weird track, as I'm not denying the quality of the Rihanna yeah, horn. I like that bit it's rather catchy but I feel like they've tried to crowbar a sort of Rihanna yeah. singy chorus bit just into a standard Eminem track like sort of two separate songs they've tried to Frankenstein yeah. into into one thing that's no, sort of the vibe I'm getting off I this I think you're exactly right that, that was the exact same complaint I had about his last number one on here which was We Made You 
from mm. 2009 featuring a person I can't remember who I never heard of. It, it just, as I said, Dean, it feels like he might have learned the wrong lessons from that bloody Dido collaboration. Oh, yeah. Just because that was a <laughs> massive global number yep. one hit for like two months or something. So I just do my regular rap shit and then I get a chick to do like a hook bit yeah, in the middle and then there yeah. you go. Yeah. In, in this case, the hook was written by Skylar Grey who was inspired, quote, by being in an abusive relationship with the music industry. And that was what attracted Eminem and Rihanna to the song as well, because they've both had experience with the topic, as you say. Uh, I'm not sure what that leads us to deduce about UK producer Alex DeKid, but it does make me ask you, Ben, if he's your favourite contemporary production engineer named after a 1986 Sega Master System <laughs> character. Um, I'm a big fan of Echo the Dolphin. Um, mm, that production Echo the Dolphin, oh, yeah. yeah but, um, I like Wonder Du Bois in De Monster Land. But yeah. Then again, I have no domestic violence history, so what would yeah, I know about producers? very true. Producers? Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you watch the video? I have. The music video features Megan Fox. Oh. I barely um, recognised her. She's so she must be so young. She's young, yep. yeah. So it's Megan Fox and that British dude from Lost. If you ever watched <laughs> Lost, I don't think I saw that. Um, and who's done Sweet Fuck All since <laughs> that TV show ended? Um, he heard his. He apparently heard his hand punching a mirror in the music yep. video. So it's very sort of you know you're all in on these Eminem clips. But yeah, so it's Megan Fox. Yep. I guess in the in the Eminem's wife whatever what was her name Kim or something in that role and then the the guy from Lost in the Eminem role and they're sort of living in this house and you know it's all not not great sort of scenario exactly yeah the house gets burned down I think at the end so there's that but you know Megan Fox good to um, see her Mm. outside of the Transformers universe I guess <laughs> not in a Michael Bay thing yeah. like if, if Michael Bay was directing this she would have been hosed down or something oh, think, at some point during yeah. the video clip but she didn't have to get wet at all I think and was able no. to just wear her clothes normally <laughs> so there you go um yeah there's a part two to this as well yes um, yeah which basically in that part two that Rihanna I think that's on her album she's the lead artist the Eminem guest part he has a very minor role in it so it's effectively just the Rihanna that the whole song is in the style of the hook bit basically so it sort of strips out the non-matching musical bits has Rihanna doing you know I guess probably what the song if someone had just written a song from you know A Mm. to B will will I am style all the way through from start to finish yeah it would just sort of sound like that so but look this one the Eminem one was the number one for six weeks so what the fuck do I know yeah. yeah, no, I may not be Echo to Dolphin, but I think you're spot on. I truly do. I'm glad you pointed that out to me because, like, when you what even the video clip reflects it, they're both like a better balanced remix of the same song. Like yeah. you say, they sort of it's instead of going A B A B all over the place, it sort of builds with the 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 vocals, and then it kind of the breakdown is his sort of fiery rapping bit. Yeah, you know. works better. Yeah, that way, I think, yeah, so. no, I think it does, and the the video even works better like that. It's sort of front loaded with tension, and then it explodes into this sort of yeah. And also, for what it's worth, I don't know how much digital assistance Rihanna's getting here, but her voice sounds great. 
Mm. Like, it's hard to believe that this is the same person doing a sketchy Britney impression back in, like, Umbrella, Ella, Ella. Ella, Ella, Ella. (laughs) Yeah, like, this really... There was a a bit... I was actually starting to think, is this... Is she going... Is she going over someone else's voice? But, yeah, no, it's her. I think she's... Maybe she's just improving as a vocalist over the years. Yeah, or she'd been hiding her light under a bushel. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Taking vocal lessons. Uh, lyrically, uh, if you had nothing else to no. say, um, high off her love, drunk from her hate, it's like I'm huffing paint and I love her, the more I suffer, I suffocate, and right before I'm about to drown, she resuscitates me, she fucking hates me, and I love it, wait, where you going, I'm leaving you, no you ain't, come back, we're running right back, here we go again, it's so insane, cause when it's going good, it's going great. Now, these lyrics are fucking Shakespeare by the standards of the shit we normally do. Oh, indeed, yeah. But they're also pretty tough to read. Did you go through them later on? Like, it's a good thing for Eminem that Hip Hop still gets a free pass in this area because later on the song, he repeatedly talks about hitting his partner. Yeah, he does, yeah. I mean, you could maybe say that it's a character like Shady, but he had a lot of this static in his history with Kim, including a lot of other songs, and it's pretty tough to read. To be honest, especially when the chorus is coming from Rihanna, who has in-depth experience at the other end of the situation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, all that said, like, if you want believable emotional rawness in a mainstream pop song, you know, here you go. This is what it sounds like sometimes, you know. With me complaining about shit sounding artificial all the time and lyrics meaning nothing, I mean... You know, you can't complain about that and then go, oh, yeah, but don't talk about this thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Look, I think you're absolutely right. In terms of it being an actual song where the artists involved in the subject matter, it's real to them and it sort of Mm. feels raw. Yeah, the songwriter and stuff was saying, you know, yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's not not an easy subject matter to listen to the lyrics because it is just sort of Eminem. But, you know, he's obviously being honest about it and opened up to I guess the fact that yeah maybe he's been a bit of a shitty dude in the past yeah yeah but yeah and I mean even the the production thing you could blame on Alex DeKid oh I do blame it on Alex DeKid (laughs) I always have so that's right Uh, 52 mil version of Wonder Du Bois he was exactly 52 mil for Eminem 50 million for Rihanna that's fucking 100 mil between them on Spotify six dollars and six cents yeah save your pennies kids you're gonna need a lot of money for this one Um, there you go great anything else about that one no 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 cool right what have we got next 30th of August um, look Teo Cruz Dynamite first appearance from one of my personal favourite artists of the last decade is Teo Cruz the finest musician of our any generation Tom? No? I mean you know it's, it's up for debate it is absolutely look he is one of the finest musicians we've seen so many celebrities of children Tom do some pretty second rate music I'm talking Jaden Smith mm. I'll even throw Willow Smith in there Brooke Hogan, the Tin Lids. It's yep. finally good to see something coming out from a celebrity child. Um, of course, Tom Cruise's son. <laughs> That's a hilarious joke. But of course, in real life, Tao spells his name in a different way. He than does. That. Yep. In reality, he's actually the son of Penelope Pierce, Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Yep. But t- um, t- could Tom be the father? Ah, well, they we were. They did have a romance, they probably did. triggered did. by sharing that same surname. But jokes aside, we don't do many jokes on the podcast, <laughs> but we, we do a name one there. That's, and that's an example one. Now, this is a fucking banger. Yeah. 
No, look. Um, the Tao Cruz story, um, he released his first album. He produced all the songs himself, mm-hmm. did it all. Um, he's from the UK. And then after that, he got a second album up and running, which is this one. This oh, is okay. one of the singles off that. The first single off his second album, um, yeah. the album was called Rockstar. That first single was called Break Your Heart. I don't mm. want to break, 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 yeah. break your heart, if you remember I that one. Did, yes. um, now, the music video of that song itself is Tao advising a young lady that he's single. Yeah. <laughs> he's not necessarily interested in a relationship. Yeah. If the woman that he's with, you know, does want to be in a relationship with him, he mm. might end up breaking her heart. That's sort of, you know, how the song starts. He's up front. Yeah. He's honest. I don't think any female could have a problem with that. <laughs> he's said to her, look, I may break your heart. Let's, you know, stay friends with, you know, we yeah. can hang out, but that's the way it's going to go. So he jumps in a speedboat with her with Rockstar. I should mention Rockstar. The album is spelled <laughs> R-O-K-S-T-A-R. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the boat, the speedboat, has Rockstar emblazoned on the front, which Good. is sick. So it's not only the name of his album and the boat, but he has a sunglasses <laughs> and accessory company, of course Tom, he does. also called Rockstar, yeah. which is a great tie-in. So he takes the speedboat with a chicken tow to a yacht where there's about 25 hot women mm. on that boat. <laughs> and Teo has the intention of banging... Pretty much all of them, if you got the opportunity. Clearly. So Speedboat Chick's a bit bit upset when she gets to the boat. He jumps up on board. She's there with him going, oh, we're going to hang out. She gets on the board and goes, fuck, there's 24 other chicks here. Um, so look, she's upset, but for fuck's sake, you knew where you stood with Teo from the start. He said to you, I don't want to be in a relationship. I might break your heart. Yeah. Now, she probably expected the non-broken heart window to be open a fraction longer than 30 <laughs> seconds because he's he's been off that rock star boat for about five minutes mm. and he's already finger-slaying someone in the galley kitchen on the yacht. So she's probably like, fucking hell, I thought we were spending the day together. You're already mm. off banging. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, as you say, it's not. we're not speaking metaphorically here. The video very literally starts with Teo saying to a chick in a car, you know I'm only going to break your heart, to which she replies, want a bet? And he says, bring it on, before immediately donning a pair of his own sunglasses and hooning off in an Aston Martin to the marina for some other chicks. Yep. Which I think we can agree is the coolest start of a music video ever made, or certainly would be if this was also an episode of CSI Miami. Yeah, that um, that rock star Which boat looks sick. Like. I think it's. I'm glad that he emblazoned the, the front of the boat with that. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's. I like it that he's only had one album and he's already got his own sunglasses. <laughs> I, know. I know, and you may notice that he wears those sunglasses. Oh yes. all the fucking As time. As I said, this is in the first five seconds yep. of the video. It's him, and he wears them in every video he's mm. ever been in, but. Yeah, I think what I like about this the most is that sort of the disappointed look on the chick's face when she sort of steps in the boat. She's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm sort yeah. Of, you get in the first five mm. seconds, you can tell she thought this was merely harmless flirting. You I know, think, that, oh, hey, I'm going to break your heart, want a bit, etc. It's like, oh, no, no, I was literally playing. Do you want to spend the heart. day on my yacht? And she's like, <laughs> sounds great. And then she's sitting next to him on the boat and he's like trying to make out with some other chick mm. like immediately. So Clearly the only reason she was in his car in the first place was that the minibus he hired to get all the other strippers to the <laughs> marina full. was full. Yeah. <laughs> and he had one seat left. Exactly. Yeah. But she should have known 
where she stood. Teo did tell her at the very That's start. True. So look, song's a banger. Unfortunately, sunglasses company didn't take off, Aww. but he gave the product placement of Red Hot Girls who said he wears those branded sunglasses 99.9% of the time. Teo followed up Break Your Heart. That's mm. the first single off this album. Second single off this album, Dirty Picture, Tom. A duet with Kesha where Teo requests women to send him nudes and then he'll send them dick pics in return. <laughs> Kesha also gets in on the action. She didn't want to appear in the video of Flowrider's blowjob anthem, but she's happily propping herself up on the seat of a nightclub toilet that can be best described as a pretty gnarly place to take a dump so she can get the perfect angle on the snatch shot she's about to send to Teo because the song is just... Take a dirty picture for me. Take a dirty picture. Sure. Send a dirty picture to me. Send a dirty wow. picture. Now, this song's over 10 years old, but I imagine that Kesha is still getting unsolicited dick pics to this day yeah. because the whole song is just her telling someone to take a dirty picture and send it to her, yeah. and then Teo's doing the same thing. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't know. I imagine that Teo's monthly cloud storage bill must be through the fucking roof with how many gigabytes <laughs> of dick pics he has on his phone. Yeah, I bet you some nights cash it while her phone dinging keeps her awake yeah. again. She's thinking, <laughs> I should have just gone with the blowjob anthem. At least I might have got like, some oral occasionally instead exactly. of just a constant a stream of anonymous cocks Take on my a phone. dirty picture of you. She's in Does she vi- really do that in the in the video? She's in a urinal. <laughs> She's like propped up on the cistern of a toilet. Like and it looks like they don't oh, show her taking a photo of a no, snatch, but it's implied in the, the song. Class, where it's that like because I think she is. sings, "I'll take a dirty picture for you." Yeah. That's the actual lyric, and she's in that public. Taylor also appears at the urinal with his cock out. Oh, just definitely, taking a photo yeah, for sure. The There's a lot of dick pics. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's it, that's fucking weird as hell. And look, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's pretty pretty good. I like that one. So then Tao. He's, he's hit big with, you know, Break yeah. Your Heart. He's hit big with Dirty Picture. Yeah. But he hasn't quite got to number one in Australia. Third single off the album, this track, Dynamite. I want to, I put my hands up in the air sometimes, mm. saying, Ayo, let's go. Now, yeah. and then he says, we're going to light it up like we're dynamite. Big Not sure if this is an ode to domestic terrorism. It's hard to tell. It might just be about getting people on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he also states, you know, I put my hands up in the air sometimes. So yes. he's not overcommitting. No, I like that true. fact. Because a lot of songs like, <laughs> oh, no, nah, we're going to rock the party. Mm. Taylor's just like, sometimes I'm going to get involved. Yep. It's not all the time. So that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> now, in the video, it appears that Tao is running an illegal chop shop staffed entirely by young females yes. in extraordinarily limited clothing. Now, I don't know about this exactly. And the reason that I'm not 100% sure about this Tao is clearly an equal opportunity employer. Yep. So I'll give him that. Illegal chop shops are generally <laughs> staffed by men from the films that I've seen, but I'm not sure that Tao's done the appropriate OHS checks or training, as is it safe to be using an angle grinder in a bra? <laughs> There's no protective mm. clothing anywhere mm. to be seen on site, and to be honest, not much regular clothing <laughs> either. So I'm just concerned for these women's safety. Yep. You know, I don't really know 100% whether what he's sort of promoting in yeah. this video, can you be using an arc welder in a bikini? I, I don't really know. <laughs> but look, maybe I'm being sexist. Of course, a female can operate oh, sure. an angle grinder, can operate an arc welder, and I guess they can do it without <laughs> any protective clothing and just a bikini 
if they feel that they have the <laughs> skill set to do so. Well, they're very confident. I mean, I feel that these women were clearly inspired to take up automotive repair by the video for Satisfaction by Benny Benassi. <laughs> yeah. After watching that, they've gone straight to Auto-Tune, where the staff were too busy perving at their cans to ask them if they planned to follow correct OHSA procedures while using an orbital sander and a G-string. Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, but yeah, I mean... Either very confident, or perhaps those bikinis contain a great deal more asbestos than I had led yeah. to believe, because there's a lot of sparks going everywhere. Oh, there's a lot of sparks, exactly right. I don't know, I imagine there's a lot of workplace sort of safety <laughs> claims, I guess, um, in Teo's illegal chop shop, but mm. look, it's okay. There's a bit where um, part of the chop shop gets blown up by dynamite as well, because it's a very lit, that's what the song's called, of course, so they set some dynamite off, which doesn't seem like a safe thing to do in your workplace, mm. but I guess mm. it's the name of the song. He kind of has to do that. He's throwing his hands up in the air sometimes, as <laughs> promised. He's setting off dynamite, so it all makes sense. True, so, true, it's very logical. Great video, um, great track. Um, I throw my hands up in the air sometimes as well, Tom, saying, A-O, let's go. Now, the song after this, the fourth single off the album, <laughs> sure. is called Hangover, yep. I believe, and that's a song about him just being hungover. I think mm. the lyrics just go, I've got a hangover. So it's good that he's touched on that sort of subject. Mm. The video clips is wall-to-wall product placement. Um, it's a good song, sure. but then out of nowhere... <laughs> Flowrider steps up to the plate for a rap bridge, <laughs> projects it to another 10 out of 10. So for me, Teo, he's 4 out of 4 on this album. I give him that. <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine shat on Rockstar, the album. Possibly the, I don't know, the sunglasses range as well. Mm. So you know it's good because those guys know fuck all about music. Yeah, Nirvana, never mind. Three stars out of five. Gee, thanks, Rolling Stone. Yep. Look, I think I like this a bit less than you, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the chorus pumps, but overall the Dr. Luke production sounds for the second time this year pretty cheap <laughs> and disposable to me also, reusing shit yeah moment. also I am very very sick of T-Pain rip off auto-tune at yep. this point in Teo's work I'm more of a fan of Break Your Heart featuring Ludacris as previously mentioned oh yeah uh, yeah, I mean, that CSI Miami intro alone puts it above this to my mind, <laughs> you know. Those, the chick's using an angle grinder, seen it before, you know, let, yeah, look. <laughs> the only picture for me is the best of the three, I think. So. <laughs> yes, but you know, perhaps what he needs to do is to, you know, get into some more serious issues. <laughs> Tom, we don't use the podcast enough to discuss serious issues, and I think that's a mistake. The podcast mm. gives us a platform to reach literally dozens of people each week, and it's our <laughs> duty to talk about some of these serious issues affecting society, especially mm. the young people. And I feel that one of the big issues today is probably social media. We know that Facebook have tried to bury reports in the past about the negative impact that Instagram has on the mental health of young women. We know that social media tries to manipulate emotions to maintain young people's attention on platforms that can once again create problems with mental health True. in sort of a sole purpose of, I guess, trying to sell products, etc. And the reason I bring this up is um, young musician Teo Cruz set up a, a TikTok account, Tom, and made some videos, mm-hmm. some content to connect with, with fans, his, his fans, and he received so much negativity um, so many people shitting on his videos that Teo himself said that he felt suicidal. 
he felt depressed and he deleted his TikTok account. Wow. Now, here's a young man just wanting to express himself, connect with fans, trying to make it as a musician in this cutthroat industry, mm-hmm. and people have crushed his hopes, his dreams, he's deleted his account, and he may never TikTok again. Wow. Another young artist destroyed. Yeah. Well, I say young, he was 41 at the time, but <laughs> another young person who has considered quitting the media industry, quitting music because of the toxic nature of social media. If I was Teo's father which is not possible as I think he might actually be older than me. But if I was Teo's father, I mean, what do you say to your child, Tom? What do you say? You just want them to know that, you know, you love them, you support them. You don't want them to give up on their dreams. You know, that they're talented, they've worked so hard. You just want to say to them, look, son, there's going to be negativity out there. Mm. There's going to be haters. You just need to block all of that out. (laughs) You just need to focus on the music. You know, you just got to stay positive. So what I'm saying, Tom, is that the next time you're out there, you're thinking of leaving a negative comment mm. on a young artist's work, a young 41-year-old artist's work <laughs> on their TikTok. Just think about it for a second before you leave that negative comment because do you really want Teo Cruz, the man behind Break Your Heart, Dirty Picture featuring Kesha, mm. Hangover featuring Flo Rida and Dynamite? Do you really want that guy... To delete the TikToks. He may never TikTok again, yeah, Tom. It's a, it is a shame, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, to think if only, you know, he'd been around after Melania Trump's uh, anti-social media bullying campaign yeah. had been launched. I know. That poor little suffering 41-year-old adult man I know, yeah. with multiple albums to his credit, millions exactly. of dollars in the bank, his own sunglasses range, speedboat, yeah. stable of hose, etc. Yeah. May not have, you know, felt suicidal about those TikToks he did, which I'm sure were top-notch, don't get me wrong. Oh, no I guarantee doubt. those six-and-a-half-second yeah. improvised raps. Yeah, look, I think in one he's he's dancing on a coffee table. I'm sure it was very good. And I think it's... Don't tell me that's not great. No, no, exactly. So 30 seconds of Teo, you know, um, sort of probably maybe lip syncing to his own songs even. I think it's, it's, it's good material. It's great content. And I just think that... It's just the toxicity, isn't it, of social mm. media that people are just so so fast to jump on and cut people down. You know, it's so often people get cut down before they've reached their true potential. Yeah, exactly. You know, and at I, forty-one years old, I know, and I, I just hate to see that happen to young artists and young That's young true. people in general. Yeah, before I think, they've so. really been given a chance. Exactly. So that's the serious part of this. <laughs> Let's move on, Tom. What about the lyrics? Well, the lyrics are pretty in-depth too, actually. There's a surprising level of thematic complexity here. Um, I came to dance, 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 dance. I hit the floor because that's my plans, 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 plans. I'm wearing all my favourite brands, 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 brands. Give me some space for both my hands, 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 hands. Because it goes on and on and on. And it goes on and on and on, yeah. I mean, it sure fucking does, because there's absolutely fuck all else happening here, except I'm dancing in a nightclub. Yeah. He doesn't even really talk about chicks he wants to bang in this one. Maybe he's too worried about getting more dick pics sent to his phone yeah. by people thinking yeah. it was fucking so. Kesha again. Definitely. He's too, too wary after that. She was like, fuck, just, I'm just going to mention putting my hands up, and even then I'm not going to commit to constantly having my hands up, just yeah. occasionally having my hands up, and I'll make... Sp- 
sure to reiterate, I mean, both my hands, not just one hand. Yeah. You know, in case people think I've got the other hand looking at my phone, checking for tick For tick picks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's why he puts his hands up in the air sometimes, because the other mm. times he has his phone <laughs> yeah. close to his face. So I think he's stuck with putting his hands up for Detroit instead. Yeah, he's wearing all his favourite brands, which I assume um, are the Rockstar sunglasses that he wears sure. frequently. He's always wearing a leather jacket as well. I think he's wearing some early 90s Stussy, you know? Yeah. Irie, absolutely. Some of that Jamaican flag designs, you know, <laughs> definitely cross colors, XXXXXL pants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I'd say definitely. He'd be on top of that. Now, eleven million. Okay. Tao has on Spotify. Is that was that more or less than Derulo? I think it's oh, less. less. I think less Derulo, than Derulo had the edge. He's, like, yeah. he's got more. Yep. Um, they do share. So he's this guy is a bit like the UK Derulo. There oh, is a no certain doubt. similarity. They both also have facial hair drawn on with a. a they pen do. As well. They do. They do. Uh, the CD single for Dynamite would cost you three bucks. Yep. If you're, I think, if you're a savvy shopper, Tom, what you do is you don't spend the three bucks. <laughs> Instead, you spend a dollar thirty. On dirty picture CD single, yeah, because you get yep. Kesha on that as well. Yeah, or break my heart. That's a yep. better song than this too. Um, and I think there's also a Dropbox link in the dirty picture CD <laughs> thing where you can send your dick pics to it. So just cut out the middleman, go straight there, and Kesha can access that just in her free time. I think so. Sure. Anything else to say about this no, one? No, no. Who's up next? Up next for three weeks is Rihanna. She's back. Only girl bracket in the world, end bracket. Mm. Now, this is another fucking banger from Rihanna. It is. When the chorus stuff. kicks in, she makes me feel like I'm the only girl in the world, Tom, as yep. is the class of this. It helps that it's effectively a Eurobeat song, which I'm 100% into. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's got a touch of the neo-Euro dance. About yeah, sure. I think so. Um, if this was one of Jason Derulo's song, one, the mode it would be in would be faux crass club thumper yeah although probably take out the crass and the faux <laughs> it's just a club thumper I think so yep. but Rihanna operates in in more than two musical modes so she's <laughs> all over the place so yeah anyway love this one this is great this is from the Stargate production team mm-hmm. whack as fuck name but they know what they're doing they produce Rude Boy as well yep um, Rihanna's other um, you know dildo anthem from earlier this year <laughs> And Don't Stop the Music, um, which I think is a song about not turning off music <laughs> that is playing. Yep. Katy Perry also wanted to record this song too, I think. It was written yeah. and she heard it and went, oh, I love that. Yep. And by the time she said, I want to get in on this, um, Rihanna had already laid it to tape and, and got it out there. So she was yeah. too late. Look, Stargate are definitely my favourite production team based on a mid-90s science fiction James Spader vehicle. <laughs> Although I didn't mind that remix of OPP by Boston Legal. That wasn't <laughs> yeah, bad. That's good. <laughs> what did you what did you make of the video compared to like um the last one we had? Oh, the video's great. Um it's just Rihanna fucking around in the middle of nowhere. She's in like a field in one bit and mm. there's some flowers. Um just in a series of different outfits. Um <laughs> which is great. And she's on a swing on one bit. Yeah. And then in another bit, she's in, in like the water on some sort of yeah. weird contraption. I like it. Given that she's such a fashion entrepreneur and real good at showing up on red carpets with her cans out and or wearing tarpaulin-sized yellow dresses and so forth, yep. I think her actual music videos really leave a lot to be desired for me. Yeah. Just, they're just 
so sporadic. There's not a lot of consistency in visual style or choreography or even fashion, yeah. really. Like, I like her fashion, but, you know, I mean, in my opinion, the most interesting thing she's done to date is Umbrella, and that was mostly just Rihanna posing in the rain or with silver paint. That's silver paint, yeah. Like, for instance, this is supposed to be from her darker album, like, oh, this is a different album then. Oh, okay. That's what I was okay. meant. Sorry, so that that's make, what I was meant to that mention makes a before. Bit yeah. More sense. This so, is the, so the next album on the, for a so, visual thing, but yeah, yeah. So they did. So Rated R was the dark one, and then a couple of months later, uh, she's yes. released this yeah, one. I think and I think when this one got released, her request to some of the songwriters she worked with before our production teams was, "I want something." bit lighter a bit more upbeat a bit more sort of the video yeah the video it's definitely colourful it's just I there's doesn't there's no there's no message it's kind of like it's just like a Rihanna calendar you know it's just like here's Rihanna in a field wearing one outfit here's Rihanna in the water wearing another outfit here's Rihanna there's no narrative there's no anything there's no it's not even a mood really it's just a you know I think what I liked about this one was that generally with these types of video clips it's like choreographed dance piece with like because this is a Euro dance song yeah, new Euro she dance she doesn't really dance but that's, that's the thing yeah. you expect this video to be in the club with her and eight backing dancers yes. and like choreographed shit but instead it's just only Rihanna a lot of wide shots mm. in the field so it's quite just different sort of to the type of posing so- and lolling yeah. around and yeah. exactly so I, I like that it's not the kind of video you would expect for this type of song no. not a lot happens but I guess sort of they're just saying, hey, here's Rihanna. She's got a lot of outfits <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. she's attractive enough that hopefully people will be interested in seeing Rihanna oh, yeah. in a field. No, I'm sure no one's so, complaining. It's just like yeah. with the budget she would have at this point, you know, I mean, she's not, she's not up. Like with the, her and Eminem and that other song, yeah. Eminem's definitely the biggest star at this point in his career. Oh, yeah. He's like the most famous male you know, modern musician at that point, whereas she's still on the rise at that exactly. stage. But like, she would have been getting, you know, they would have been, she could oh, work with whoever. She's massive by yeah. now. This is about the 10th one we've spoken about. She should have got about. that guy who did the bloody Katy Perry video. At least he could have come up with, I don't know, another board game. He's going to do a boggle themed video clip. Oh, Get I've, nude inside a giant plastic bubble. Someone jumps on the top. You spin around, you know, it writes itself. I think this would have been the perfect <laughs> opportunity for her. <laughs> Was that Boggle? Anyway, enough about Boggle. I think Rihanna should have explored some claymation at this time, Tom. That would have been great. So what about a claymation um, Rihanna? Fantastic. Look, this would be a good time, I think, Tom, to congratulate Rihanna on behalf of the podcast, the birth of her first child in May 2022. Oh, yeah, that was Very recently, her and ASAP Rocky who you may know from such films as Zoolander 2. Um, <laughs> they're keeping the baby name a secret. Now, do people do that? What's, what's, I can understand sort of we don't want photos. We don't want to leak photos yeah. of the baby to the press. We're keeping that among, amongst ourselves. But keeping the name secret, that's, that's going I an extra step. Beyonce and stuff, and Jay-Z did it. I do think. they keep their baby I name secret? I can't tell whether it's because they hadn't th- thought of a whack enough baby name or whether they just want more publicity later on yeah look I, I understand as I mentioned understand the no photos that's okay but mm. sort of not even saying the name's a bit weird the name doesn't really mean anything but look what we don't know is um, obviously ASAP Rocky he stylizes his name A dollar sign for the S mm-hmm. 
um, AP taking a leaf out of the Kesha book. So we're not sure um, if the Rihanna baby name also has a dollar sign in there. I assume that it probably yeah. does somewhere. So well, Ace, congratulations, Rihanna. Yeah. Congratulations, ASAP Rocky. Well, Great. ASAP's name comes from the ASAP mob, uh, who are a New York hip-hop collective. Yep. Which is like calling yourself Wu-Tang Gary, for instance. Yes. So whether the baby is called ASAP Nigel like his dad would depend on what the ASAP mob feel that the baby would be able to contribute to their New York-based hip-hop collective. Yeah, that's true. I yep. feel like, you know, whether he's got some, you know, breakdancing, some graffiti skills, perhaps, a yep. fashion template, you know. The Blue Ivy style, perhaps. Oh, look, Tom, in my experience, children of musicians are even better than their parents, so I think he's <laughs> going to go straight to the top. It's so. great. They usually have an excellent outlook. I spent 15 minutes today watching an extremely enlightening Chet Hayes interview oh, Chet on Hayes Channel is, 5. That is, was yep. sublime. <laughs> he's significantly better than his father in almost all respects. That's right. Um, Musical talent being one of those. Yeah, you definitely. Know. And, I, you know, and I've said that about Sean Lennon as well. A lot of people don't agree with me, but you know, it's fine. He's <laughs> is the best of the Lennons so I assume that whatever Rihanna and, and ASAP Rocky's kid whatever the name whatever the kid is I'm sure they'll be a great musician in the future mm. but given mm. that Rihanna's um, a multi-billionaire the child will probably <laughs> never have to work a day in their life and might just be like the Paris Hilton of the next 20 years sure, I'm sure we'll grow up to be super well adjusted um, anything else to say about this one what about the lyrics uh, well According to production team Sex, Lies and Videotape, sorry, I mean Stargate, uh, they played this to Rihanna while Katy Perry was there, as you Ooh. said, and Katy Perry wanted it too because of the big diva chorus bit, which is the best thing about the song yeah, to me. Yeah. But they gave it to Rihanna instead, which was probably a good thing, or else it would have ended up featuring Belle Biv DeVoe sounding like a busted cyborg and had the name changed to Good Vibrations, spelt with a Z <laughs> to avoid copyright infringement or something. Yeah. But anyway, uh, to quote MacGyver, sorry, I mean to Stargate, uh, Rihanna killed it, and not to be too technical, but what makes the song a little bit different is the key change. Mm. The verse is in one key, and then it goes into a different key in the chorus. That's not a usual thing to do in dance music or pop music in general. Yeah, yeah. Is that I've, true? <laughs> I've, yeah, I've never heard a key change before, ever. Especially in, between a verse and a chorus. No, I never, mean, fucking... Never... Blowing my mind. Never heard anyone ever... Yeah. A key I've got a follow-up question as well. Yep. Um, how do you make a woman feel like the only girl in the world? Um, well, based off my favourite film of all time, um, I Am Legend, Tom, <laughs> what you do is you hope for a zombie or some sort of disease mm. to kill off everyone else in the world and then the person that's left yes. will feel like the only girl in the world so global speak, genocide so. is always an option I think so global genocide the best is I could think of was uh, A create an Alex Jones type conspiracy that everyone under 40 has been chromosomally mutated into transgenderism by contrails except for her yep. so, so she, she would be the only, the only girl, girl in the world, world. Yep. or B uh, take her to see an Australian art film at the movies I don't know about the world, but you'll certainly be the only people in the cinema. <laughs> That's true. So at least you'll get to experience that, you know, yeah. unique sensation. I think they're probably the best, better than my option, I think, um, for sure. But yeah, look, uh, I like this one. Rude Boy is probably better because it's, it's ambiguous. <laughs> this, one, <laughs> this, one's, um, this one's about being made feel very special. Well, it Whereas Rude Boy you... could be about fucking any kind yeah. of 
dicking type scenario. We, we, we do say this a lot, but the power ballad every five to ten years seems to mutate into a new form of thing, and this kind of arena diva chorus anthem yep. seem, is the modern power. Your Katy Perry roar and stuff, you know, your fucking Lady Gaga, you know, yeah, shit scream along chorus and stuff, yep. but yeah, pink and so forth, they... Yeah, that seems to be the modern version. And yeah, exactly. so if they've got a bit of a, if they've got a bit of oomph behind it, I don't hate it. You know, if no. you can imagine people in a in an arena yelling along to it, and you think, well, at least it's effective on that level. You know, look, it's safe to say, Tom, that um, if I was to one day say, you know what, I've never been to the Rod Laver Arena to watch a massive pop show. Yeah, something I haven't done in my life. If I was to one day say. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Let's go and watch a, one of the biggest pop stars in the world, see what it's like, big production values. Um, I think I'd be choosing Rihanna, just off the back of the sheer volume of bangers that she has. Yeah, Because yeah. um, she's got a lot of songs that um, I'm not mad about, which is uh, oh, yeah, says no, a lot I'd for this podcast. I'd be picking her before fucking Justin Bieber or exactly. something for sure. Because yeah. I'm usually quite furious about, like I wouldn't go, Will I Am would be like some sort of, you know, imprisonment of your mind, I think. It's sort of, you know, whereas I think Rihanna, you know, there'd be some some good hits in there that I would be enjoying. So that's good. 50 million for Rihanna. I've mentioned that before. This is going to cost you $5.05. Yep. So, which is probably, um, as expected, as we mentioned, not a lot of these things get made these days. Good stuff. Um, Cool. Up next is... Pink. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Raise your glass. Sure. Wow. Now, I think I've said this before, Tom, but this is another track that appears to be aimed at divorced 40-year-old women. So um, Pink is nothing if not consistent. The song pretty much sounds like any other Pink um, quote anthem, unquote. Sure. It reminded me of that one... <laughs> where uh, she wrote the song about her boyfriend. Remember her husband that she split up with at the time? Yes. And she was going to... And she cut down the tree <sighs> and it was dog my, shit. It's my least favourite song of hers. This so, song basically so just reminds me of this. It's fucking crazy. Like, this, I think this is better than So What. So What is a fucking... Oh, uh, it's... Nadia for her. That's it. Yeah. It is better, but I mean, God, it's sort of... The other one was so bad that, you know... I don't know. I don't think there's no way it could be worse. But look, so this is this song's I guess one of those ones that's aimed for the oddballs. Yeah. The pink considers pink considers yeah. herself to be a bit of an oddball, and you know, yeah. if you raise your glass, if you're wrong in all the right ways, chorus yeah. like you know, if you're a bit of an outsider, grab. Pink describes the song as a celebration for people who felt left out from the popular crowd. Yeah. Now it raises a couple of questions. If you're 40 and you're still writing songs yep. about. I wasn't cool in high school despite the fact that you're now a yeah. leading pop star. That shows some sort of psychological trauma that yeah. you're never going to recover from. I mean, it's I get it. She must have been not popular mm-hmm. maybe when she was at school, but guess what? You're one of the biggest pop stars in the world now. Why would you bother like still going, I'm going to write anthems for yeah. what it's like to be a fucking loser? It's a bit like uh, fucking... Weezer, you know, I like quite a lot of Weezer's albums, especially their earlier colour-based records. <laughs> but um, I can't help but notice that River Phoenix, oh sorry, River Cuomo, still seems to be essentially writing about his fucking year ten high school experiences, and yeah. he must be now pushing fifty. 
Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it is a little bit weird. That, yeah, I'm not sure if he's... I hope he's not just trying to pick up high school girls, but yeah. He could Look, be. Either way, um, it was around this time that music for 13-year-old girls really started to lean heavily into openly advocating for the irresponsible consumption of alcohol. Yep. I mean, it must have come as a relief to high school boys at schoolies, you know, for one thing. You just put the radio on and get pink to tell your girlfriend to get pissed without feeling like you're twisting their arm. I mean, I'm not passing judgment. We had to listen to Friends of Brom if we wanted to be openly incited to drink four litres of cask wine and pass out on the bowling green of an RSL, you know, but that's just a few more steps away than this. I mean, some might say it's irresponsible to encourage teen drunkenness, but the truth is that this is happening in a time when, for the first moment in human history, any grade nine can now freely access the entire human songbook. Yeah. 24-7, 365 days a year. And the simple fact is that even with millions of dollars of publicity behind them, no discerning child is going to pick shorty goddamn boobies like bow, 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 unless they're heavily intoxicated in one way or another. <laughs> I mean, hence the popularity of vaping with, you know, Gen Z, I think. According to an industry insider, Ben, some music publishing houses are now basing up to 85% of their projected future earnings on fetal alcohol syndrome, you know. And if that makes you uncomfortable, don't blame me. Blame Pink. Yeah, blame Pink. That's what I'm saying. I definitely do. Um, Yeah, Shorty got those boobies like, wow, wow, wow. Are they the worst lyrics I of mean, all time. No. <laughs> they're up there, sure. <laughs> no, no good. They'd make crazy frog take a dirt road. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely. Fucking hell. Now, this track itself, um, Raise Your Glass, this is the um, the new extra yeah. song they do on the Greatest Hits album. That That's so that bullshit yeah. that they used to do. I don't know where they do that these days because, you know, singles get released on Spotify and people can just avoid buying anything. But back in the day, it clearly was a sort of, here's the Greatest Hits CD... You're a Pink fan. You've already got all the albums, so we've got to throw a couple of new tracks on yeah. there. This was that song, so it's a cash grab. Written by Max Martin and Shellback. I'd be really <laughs> curious to uh, to check back. out how many fucking pools Max Martin's house must have. He must have the sickest house in all of Sweden. Yeah. I mean, I can't... Oh, the amount I of hits that dude's written must be insane. was also behind fucking um, bloody... Dynamite by Teo Cruz. Mm. That was Max Martin again, Dr. Yep. Luke again, and Bonnie McKee again. Yeah, exactly. So, look, and Shellback, um, he's not one of the Ninja Turtles as far as I know. Oh. We talked about that guy before. Um, I think you mentioned yes. him the last couple of weeks ago. He yeah. used to be in um, metal bands before, I think you mentioned oh, that. Oh, yeah. okay. He was in some sort of he's Swedish... He's Scandi. Yeah. Like, um, ...like metal band of some form, and then yep. he gave that the flick and said oh it turns out you can make way more money <laughs> teaming up with Max Martin to write these pop songs so this is that um, I don't really have a lot to say about Pink in general we've talked about it before I don't yeah. have a lot to say about this song how about you look um, the best thing I can say about this really is that after Train this I think is one of the only two songs this year with musical instruments in them <laughs> um, yeah. which I guess tells you that instruments aren't everything no. frankly but you know it's something uh, the video is her 12th collaboration with Dave Myers, who's like the guy who just does all the videos. So unlike Rihanna, there Mike is... Mike Myers' dad? No. <laughs> Spelt differently, oh, unfortunately. Shit. It'd probably be better. Yeah. Uh, so unlike Rihanna, there is a sense of con- 
continuation of theme, you know, through her videos. Like, they do sort of feel similar. Although that doesn't mean the theme can't include just throwing a bunch of random crap at the wall as well. Like, there's a pro-gay marriage-ish sort of element, which was a much more contentious yeah. issue at the time here. You know, that, like, you know, there's dudes kissing, she officiates. It might explain also why she wakes up in bed with a nun at one point. Although it doesn't really explain why she also wakes up in bed with a male rabbi and the Pope. Uh, she's, you know, still pretending to be a skate punk and a gangster <laughs> at the age of 31. Is lame, but it fits her brand. Yep. The part of the video I found a bit more confusing, don't know if you noticed this part, but it was the part where she's uh, leading a mask-wearing terrorist organisation who've kidnapped a dozen women, put them in the basement from a Nine Inch Nails video, hooked them up to a saw-esque torture device and are using it to suck milk from their cans yep. in order to feed it to a calf. Yep. Uh, what do you think, Ben? Was this Peter getting out of hand? Uh, Lady Gaga's dress style or was 2010 just the year that lactation fetishes really hit the mainstream yeah I couldn't understand that's the second one we've had this year (laughs) already Um, I had no fucking idea what was going on in this music video to be honest I I understood spaghetti wall splat the bit I understood was um, in the context of the song about being for fucking high school losers, that's yeah. the context. The bit where Pink dresses up as like a younger version of herself and she puts some glasses on yeah. to make it look nerdy. Oh, she's a nerd. She's a nerd because yeah. she's got glasses on. And then in as the nerd Pink, she jumps up to do the raise, but she... She does it too early. And oh. She's like, oh, no, because I'm a nerd. I got, I, it's my own song. Okay, it's a very meta kind of type funny, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I believe she does an ad lib, oh, fuck, as well, in the music video. <laughs> so that bit's like, I understand that, you know, in the context of that. Mm. But the fucking lactose, sort of the, the, the feeding the milk to the... I wasn't sure, yeah, whether she was, yeah. like, kidnapping women, like... Boko Haram style something like yeah. that didn't know what was going on with that I didn't know what was going on with skate punk pink no. banging the Pope or whatever no, the, like, with a was... bunch of people watching her and stuff there's a bit there's this whole Rosie the Riveter thing yeah which has nothing to do with anything like I mean apart from just a vague sort of you know punk fucking right you know yep. girl power thing like it has nothing to do with the song in any way no, There's, so yeah, 95% of the music video made no sense to me. It's so. very odd. But it's not boring, I will give no, it that. No, no. I found it a lot more engaging than that Rihanna video, for instance, despite the fact that the Rihanna video is a lot more aesthetically pleasant in the sense of if you just took a freeze frame to look at it yep. way. But this one I found less boring than it. I think it's yeah. on brand for Pink, though, to just do these videos where it's just a lot of yeah. cuts That's between disparate sort of all the time. bits and like, oh, yeah. look, here, she, she's cutting down a tree. She's now now she's, she's on a yeah. dolphin. Now she's in a fucking skate bowl. Now she's eating a hamburger. <laughs> Great. So, sure. um, Anything else to say about the lyrics? Uh, Must be. Well, supposedly the song celebrates... Pink's 10 years in the biz. Does it? Yes, supposedly. (laughs) And was one of those ones, as you said, that you slap on a greatest hits album to get people to buy it if they've got the album already. Frankly, by 2010, asking anyone to buy a greatest hits compilation is getting pretty fucking cheeky already, as previously mentioned. Especially when they usually draw from like three albums or something. Yeah, exactly. 
10 years is not that long. But that's pink for you, Ben. Like Jim and the holograms, she's truly outrageous. That's <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> As these lyrics demonstrate, party crasher, panty snatcher, call me up if you a gangster, don't be fancy, just get dancy. Why that's so true. serious? <laughs> so raise your glass if you are wrong. In all the right ways, all my underdogs, we will never be, never be anything but loud and nitty-gritty, dirty little freaks. Pink seems convinced that her audience are social outcasts bordering on the level of crust-punk anarchists, gang members, and sexual deviants. Do you think that's actually accurate? Or are they more like, you know... 40-year-old divorced women is what I'm feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I I still think there's a lot of 14-year-olds writing pink on their pencil cases, but, you know... Fuck, 14? I'm thinking 8. <laughs> 8 to 10, maximum. Yeah, eight year might old, be over silly. Yeah, uh, look, I don't know. Um, <laughs> if I can win tickets to a pink concert, I would not part with any of my own money. But if is, I could, I would go and then I'll do a scout of the audience and see what the demographic is. is. Don't be fancy, just get dancy. One of those show shit, it's actually yeah, good it's, lyrics. It's, it's not it's, terrible. Well, that, I, when, I, when you read those lyrics out, um, I was like, that's so bad, it does goes full circle and becomes good yeah, again. I, so. I think that's better than the, let me see... Going to raise my hands, 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 wearing my favourite brands, brands, brands. I'll take Don't Be Fancy, just get dancy over that, I think. Well, fancy and dancy, I think that's a great sort of, you know, (laughs) rhyming couplet. Whereas I'm wearing all my favourite brands is just fucking stupid. So when we know the brands he's referring to are his own sunglasses (laughs) company. I mean, fuck off, Taya. So, um... Anything else on this? No, no, no. Twenty six million for Pink, three dollars for the CD single. Uh, yet the whole greatest hits album only cost you a dollar twenty one. So if you're a savvy shopper, just <laughs> fucking buy that. Okay, yeah. all right. Money well spent. Yeah. Up next for one week, Bruno Mars, "Just the Way You Are." Mm. Now, this is <laughs> cheese factor dialed oh, up to about one billion. It sure I think. is, isn't it? It sounds like something an X Factor runner up might record but look if Bruno wrote this to get access to A grade snatch (laughs) then I assume it's mission accomplished Tom because this is probably (laughs) written for the sole purpose of trying to bang chicks I know what you mean it's kind of like um, high budget guy Sebastian or something yeah Uh, Bruno commented on the track too during an interview with Blues and Soul magazine I'm a big fan of songs like Joe Cocker's You Are So Beautiful and Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. Songs that go straight to the point. You know, there's no mind-boggling lyrics or twist in the story. They just come directly from the heart. And to me, Just The Way You Are is one of those songs. There's nothing mind-blowing about it. I'm just telling a woman she looks beautiful the way she is. And let's be honest, what woman doesn't want to hear those lyrics? Uh, you might yeah. notice that a song he doesn't mention in that list is Just The Way You Are by Billy Joel, which is Katy Perry style, the same theme, subject, and exact title as this song, except better and 40 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And I don't say that too lightly because I don't particularly like that song either. I just think it's still nah. better than this fucking oh, song. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. What, what does he mean by, like, no twists? Like, what is... How many pop songs have, like, an M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> style? Like, oh, fuck, when it gets to the bridge, you're going, I didn't see that coming. I didn't hey, realise that well, he was a ghost the whole fucking time. You know... When Flo Rida says he sees a chick in the club, 
yeah. wearing those apple bottom jeans and the boots with the yeah. fur, you don't necessarily know if he's going to end up fucking her at the end of the song. Well, but, you exactly. Know, it could go two ways. But yeah. 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 I mean, that's right. There's so many twists. Like, you know, Teo Cruz, I put my hands up in the air sometimes. And then in mm. the third verse, he's like, I, I always put my hands yeah. up. And you're like, fucking hell. What state are his hands didn't, in? I didn't point. see that it's coming like at all. His cat, you know? Yeah. So, no idea what the hell he's talking about. In the music video, he's fucking around with a cassette tape uh, and he uses the yes. tape to create a portrait of the chick he's trying to bang. And look, it obviously worked. I assume he dicked her at the end of this. But it's worse than Al City, this video. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really doing the cassette thing either, Tom. He wasn't doing it himself. No, it was all CGI. It's, it's CGI like too. this decade's aha uh-huh, take on me, um, but <laughs> less iconic and also significantly less good. Yeah, sort of no, like it's ass. Yeah, it sucks. It's hard, what we call in the design industry, that's half an idea. <laughs> It's like the kind of shit you come up with the last minute that was like a backup idea from back before and then you're like, but how will this actually work when we do it? And like, oh, fucking computer graphics, just fucking CGI it quickly. Because he used the tape time. to write out his name and then the name of the song and you're like, okay, that's, yep, just end there. But then he was trying to do an illustration of the chick the whole time and like move her mouth and stuff. If he could have been fucked doing it in a sort of, what's his face? Who's that goddamn director? Uh, the French guy. The really twee one. If you'd done it with like stop motion, if you got someone to actually make a thing with oh, cassette yeah. tape that moved or some shit, like by hand, that could be kind of cool. Might but be a lot like, better, yeah. But you know, because it, it's just all fake, it just meaningless, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Also, so, cassette tape, you know. No. Yeah, it's fucking 2010. Fuck off. Yeah. Yep. This is his debut single, but um, he'd done some prior guest work, like done some featurings on a few other songs. Yeah. And he already scored a number one as a writer, as you may recall, with the Kesha Flowrider Blowjob Anthem. Yes. We've already mentioned this episode. Yeah. He was a co-writer on that, remember, when I think Flowrider was talking about how you know, it was a metaphor for some sort of thing and then Bruno came and went, it's just a song about blowjobs. So, look, at least he, you know, he's honest. I he did say that. he likes going straight to the point. He know? does, yeah. This is a high-selling single um, of the year in Australia, I think. I think that Train song sold like 6 million copies in America or something, but I yep. think in Australia this is a high-selling single. So people still love weak shit. So, so sure do. Yeah. Um, look, Bruno, he's made a career effectively out of strip mining in the past, and yep. this is no exception. He's comfortable moving between different eras, different genres. Um, he does all of that, takes mm. a certain, oh, I'm going to do like a 70s funk thing, and then yeah. he just do that. And he's like, now I'm going to do an 80s like pop thing, and he just does that. And look, you know, I guess he obviously keeps having a lot of hits, so he does yeah, what he true. does well, but I dare say there's not a lot of originality in most most of the yeah. stuff he does but look um, there's not a lot of originality in a lot of pop music to on be honest I think it's just sort of he probably wears generally. his influences on his sleeve a little bit more than some other people but certainly my favourite performance from Bruno is that of Little Elvis in the 1992 American <laughs> romantic comedy film Honeymoon in Vegas starring James Caan Nicolas Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker so oh, Bruno's um, acting debut <laughs> as Little Elvis um, not sure why Baz Luhrmann didn't look at that and go that fucking guy killed his Little Elvis oh shit 
he's like 40 <laughs> years old now. Why don't we get him to play actual Elvis yeah, in this yeah. film? So, it can't have been, missed opportunity. Uh, he probably bears about as much resemblance to Elvis as the guy they used in the <laughs> oh, yeah. film Elvis. But, I mean, uh, but can, you, can you cast a Hawaiian, sort of <laughs> slightly dark-skinned Elvis? Would... Are Hollywood ready for that? Is the world ready for that? Bruno Mars as Elvis, or are they going to say, no dice? Well, the problem is that people come to Baz for his hard-edged technical realism it's, in all aspects of his true. work. You know, yeah. I don't think those people would accept it. But, no, no. But I think you're right. Like, I mean, yeah, the, the thing about the retro stuff, for several years, uh, Bruno seemed to believe he was Michael Jackson in 1989, for instance. That was a whole thing <laughs> yeah. of his... But, yeah, I prefer his more recent retro-sold 70s-flavoured work with uh, Silk Sonic. Yeah. Uh, I recently linked to one of their songs in a heavy metal-themed chat group I'm part of, <laughs> and to my surprise, the song got an extremely positive reception, you know? <laughs> I think the sort of campy, bass-heavy funk might have even helped several of them finally make the decision to leave the closet behind. Mm. But, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the main consensus was... Hang on. Uh, the... I should commit suicide. Oh, yes, Jesus. That uh, yeah. People anyway, are so harsh. I think that stuff probably works better because he's a super handsome dude with a rad voice, but he needs a good song behind him. And real musicians, I reckon, otherwise you just end up with this sort of nothing burger type thing. Yeah. Like, but then, as you say, it's a fucking biggest song of the fucking year, so what do I know? But in terms of quality... He's definitely done way better shit than this. Like, you know, oh, yeah, this sucks. Even shit. that fucking Flow Rider song was better than this, I asked. Oh, know? absolutely. Um, $51 million, $1.50. What are the lyrics? Uh, when I see your face, there's not a thing that I would change because you're amazing just the way you are. And when you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while. It's fucking hell. I wasn't kidding about the Billy Joel thing. If it takes you 40 years to write a worse version of a Billy Joel song, I don't know what to tell you. Either invent a time machine or try and think of something new to say, I guess. Yeah. Fucking hell. Do you think there's many people that look at someone and go, those eyes need to be a centimetre further apart? <laughs> is, that, is, that what, is that what people do? Go, I don't know. Because Bruno wouldn't change a thing about that face. Mm. Nothing at all. Well, one could argue that the That's very the common, face. almost hackily cliched romantic song line I love you just the way you are is a fucking um, tautology because when you love someone you love them just the way you are it's one of the conditional elements of being in love with someone yep. very few people are genuinely in love with someone but hate lots of stuff about yep. them that's not how it works you can be physically attracted to someone but dislike large parts of their personality but if you are romantically classically in love with someone then you do love them just the way you are so it's a redundant stupid ass thing to say but you know hey if it gets you laid go for it yeah absolutely look I'm sure it worked for Bruno on this one so all good times who's um, up next well my favourite Kesha <laughs> She's back. We are who you are. So who we are. We are who we are with a letter R. Both both letters. Who R's. we are. We are who we are. Um, yeah. So so it's, I was wondering why I couldn't find it when I kept typing we, it in. We R, are right. who we are. Now this sounds like Teo Cruz's Dynamite, mm-hmm. which in turn sounds like Kesha's TikTok. Is Dr. Luke just reusing material at this stage? It fucking sounds like it to me. Mm. So, this is very similar to TikTok. 
Yeah. Very, very similar. But look, I like that song because of how fucking stupid it was. So I'm not necessarily angry with this either. Did I mention that I was already sick of this after that last <laughs> Dr. Luke we had, song we had 10 minutes ago? I'm starting to worry that Dr. Luke may not actually be a fully qualified medical <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if he despite is. Despite his frequent unwanted breast examinations that he seems to be handing out in his studios. But yeah. yeah, look... Uh, I mean, if this is not not catchy. Don't get me wrong. No, no. Like you say, if you like if you like TikTok, you'll like this. Like yeah. it's you know, it's the same formula. They've gone that worked. Let's do that. Yeah. I'm thinking Doctor Luke might be one of those doctors that did a PhD in the Simpsons or something like From that. You know, Hollywood like upstairs oh, medical academy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Um, look, there's something about Kesha that I'm all about, Tom. I mentioned it earlier, and I think what that is is that she seems genuinely unhinged at times. I mentioned it before that, you know, as I said, Pink and Katy Perry, so yeah. they've got that fake wacky, and look, I think that the marketing department, as I said, have dreamt that up, whereas I think Kesha is probably just a bit, yeah. a bit wacky. But also, I have a feeling that if I had to spend extended periods of time with her in real life, it could become quite annoying. Possibly. Fair assessment? Yeah. I think, I think, ironically, I say ironically too much, but sometimes yeah. it is appropriate. In contrast to those other ones, I think, whereas with Katy Perry, you've got someone who's deeply unwacky, having layers of wackiness airbrushed yeah. onto her. With Kesha, you've got someone who is quite wacky, but then they try to spray paint layers of wackiness on top of the wackiness, and it just ends up with this... It, it, it seems perversely artificial, yeah. not because she's not who they're saying she is, but that they've taken her wackiness and then on top of that, they've glued fucking metal eyebrows yeah. onto her head and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just like, maybe if you let her do her own wacky makeup, she would look wackier than if you just staple things to her face. Yeah, exactly. Like, I completely agree with that. So, no, agreed. Look, also stop fucking around with people's eyebrows. Like, haven't people learned anything from the last... 300 years yep if you fuck around with people's eyebrows it looks crazy it does look crazy exactly (laughs) anyway so Kesha Tom she's a very visual performer and enjoys giving impromptu tattoos yes I've heard this Kesha apparently gave Australian TV <laughs> presenter Scott Tweedy a non-permanent tattoo of a penis in 2011. Oh. Now, Tom, in case you're wondering, a non-permanent tattoo is just a drawing with a sharpie. Yeah. So that doesn't really count as a tattoo. <laughs> sure. But apparently she did that once. But also, more interestingly... Scott Tweedy? Oh, it's fucking nice. It's one of those Australian TV personalities. <laughs> he used to host uh, a music TV show called The Loop on Channel 10, oh, which okay. doesn't exist anymore. Um, she gave rocker Andrew WK a tattoo... With a line, uh, sorry, of a tattoo of just a straight line, oh, okay. so it's a pretty shit tattoo to begin with. With ink from a pen and a safety tattoo, which sorry, a safety pin, which uh, eventually became infected. Oh, so that's pretty rank. And she also given safety pin tattoos to fans and quote a hot dude in a hotel lobby. I think that was Teo Cruz. Mm-hmm. Who do you think regretted their tattoo decision more, Ben? Mm. Andrew WK with an infected squiggly line done by Kesha with a bit of wire she found on the ground while yep. pissed, or the cast of the first Suicide Squad movie who let Margot Robbie give them all matching Suicide Squad tattoos in order to permanently commemorate that time they were all in the movie Suicide Squad. Yeah, fuck it. So... <laughs> I think I'd go the infected line because the infected line would eventually heal. Whereas yeah. the Suicide Squad is just going to sit there reminding you that you were in that one with Jared Leto as the Joker yeah, for yeah. all time. 
The only person who didn't get one was Will Smith. He was the only one smart enough to go, yeah. He refused to do it. (laughs) I like to imagine that he used the words, oh, hell no, when asked. Hell no, I'd say so, definitely. Perhaps... Look, he um, said, "Get that fucking tattoo gun." I think if I had a tattoo, of a weird, if I had a tattoo of a weird line on my arm or wherever it is, and someone said, "What the hell is that?" Just go, "Oh, Kesha." <laughs> People would be like, "Oh, that's an interesting story." Yeah. But Suicide Squad tattoo—that's not for me, Tom. If so. it said Kesha, then you'd be like, "No, thanks." No, thanks. Just friendly line. Yeah. Look. Also, Andrew WK basically is the world's leading authority on what constitutes a good time. So if he reckons oh, getting a squiggly hell. line done by a piece of Kesha on your arm is a good time, yeah, I'd, hey, I'd, I'd probably I'd, do it. I bow to his decision making in that. I take back that Rihanna thing when Kesha's at the <laughs> Rod Laver. I'm there. So also, I've got to admit, like you say, say what you like about Kesha, giving uh, a safety pin tattoo to a hot dude in a hotel lobby who was probably just some guy who said, hey, you're Kesha, and he was pissed. That is the kind of thing that Katy Perry would not be doing. Oh, that no. is sounds like talk a, to fans. a genuinely fun sort of trashy thing to do. Oh, absolutely. You know? Let's get some tequila shots and you can give me a tattoo. <laughs> Fucking A, let's do it. Um, so the music video for this song was directed by Hype Williams. We've talked about this guy mm. before. He's directed a billion things. Yes, he filmed finally in, eventually got out of the hip-hop thing. And yeah, yeah. Other stuff. Filmed in downtown LA. Ah, um, uh, yes. They yeah. had to close the Second Street Tunnel. Yeah, it Part all takes yep. takes it takes place in that big tunnel you've probably seen in movies. That's a giant arch. It's yep. one long low arch thing, but it's fucking huge. Yeah, I mean, it's massive. So to shut that down for forty eight hours yep. to make the music video for this time, and, and when I was watching the music video and saw that um, the whole scene taking place, what I thought was living in LA must be <laughs> fucking bullshit. So I mean. <laughs> The traffic in that city is bad enough, yeah? Mm. People drive forever. And then imagine, you know, you've got to deal with shit like, oh, we're shutting down this tunnel for two days so we can <laughs> film a fucking Kesha music video. And now you're like, holy shit, I've got to find an alternate way to work. Yeah. It's going to add three hours to my commute. Yeah. And that shit would happen every week because there's always yeah. a Kesha music oh, video. Michael Mann's Some, having a shootout oh, in the freeway. Yeah. And, yeah. So it's just sort of, I've got to get, it takes me 45 minutes to drive that, to work, now it's going to take me three hours. On top of that, then you'd, you know, you'd think, oh, well, I'll watch it a year later and maybe you can see my car in the background. Yeah. And a year later it comes on and you go, aha, uh, the video features about one one hundredth of the number of extras that you would need to carry off this concept. E.g., no matter what angle they put the camera on, it does not look like there's any really many people in this tunnel. Like, what you're trying to... Obviously, someone's done a storyboard of, like, a rave in the tunnel. Like, we can close off that thing. We get enough people there. It looks... Because the ceiling looks rad. We'll have... You know, and instead... um, Yeah... Uh, and that's weird because you'd think they'd have some cash after all the fucking product placement that they've oh, got. In this fucking, I own. counted uh, G-Shock watches. Yeah, uh, Revolution Tequila is in about thirty <laughs> shots <laughs> yes, of the, the whole video. Like all, all, all four, all the whole range is in the, every shot. Yeah, and bizarrely, the website plentyoffish.com, which was like you probably wouldn't know this because you're happily <laughs> married, but that was like the low rentest free dating site ever of the, the, the zeros um, and 
like even in this flashy video clip, the website manages to look like an angel fire page from 1996. I'm guessing Apple weren't interested because they've covered up the logos on the laptops showing the plenty oh, of fish. Good. Maybe Steve Jobs wasn't a fan of looking sick and sexified. Oh, no. As this video suggests that he does. He, does Steve Jobs have a Kesha tattoo? <laughs> well, he doesn't now. It's he's just in the ground. Yeah. yeah, no, he's up in heaven with 350 million broken iPads. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else to say about this one? Look, Tom, this is where we bid farewell to Kesha on the podcast, unfortunately. She hasn't yeah. had another number one hit. This um, was but her look, apex she's still wise. she's still going um, today in the music industry, so maybe we'll get to talk to her again. To be honest, it's safe to say that her career was hindered by the quote falling out with Dr. Luke. Falling out is one way to yeah. put it. Alleged rape is another. Um, Dr. Luke was never charged with anything. Um, but Series of lawsuits, Kesha lost them, basically, effectively. Yeah. Doctor, his career does not appear to have been hindered at all, you know. It's and that's the, that's the thing with this industry, I guess. People are still prepared to work with him. There's always new young talent that yeah. want someone. He's like, oh, he's a hot producer, like, music-wise. He can produce the songs. He's going to get some hits. There were those allegations, but don't worry, yeah. nothing came of it. So his career is unhindered, whereas Kesha hasn't really created the same level of interest no. since this time. She's had a few songs on the charts, but nothing. Yep. No, not at this level. She's still forced to release music on his label, which doesn't sound yeah, ideal, so I do got, feel a bit bad yeah. for him in that sense. So. I feel like, I always felt like if one other person had come out with something about him, yeah. you know, in today's kind of slightly more, you know, accepting climate, this was sort of on the cusp of that. Yeah. But like, but yeah... I think at one point she claimed that Alanis Morissette, no, was it Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga had something had happened with her. Yeah, and then but then Lady Gaga was asked about that and didn't come forward. But you know these situations get so complicated when there's millions of dollars on the line. Fucking who knows, you know? Exactly. So unfortunately for Kesha. Um she made the allegations and and nothing came of it. Effectively, well, for I her, hope she so. made some money from these fucking these early albums yep. at least you know no, exactly right so look what's she up to now um she featured on a remix of the song drop dead by grandson in 2021 remixed by travis barker so <laughs> it's good to see she's teamed up with the that dude taxi driver <laughs> sorry couldn't resist that shit joke. uh in 2020 she started her own podcast titled kesha and the creepies okay. which explores supernatural life Psychedelia, oh, no. non-traditional spirituality, and more creepy themed topics. Well, I hope she tells that story about how she fucked a ghost. Fucked a ghost, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. um, each podcast has a guest each week, um, including sorry. Alice Cooper. So there you go. <laughs> Don't she tell me Alice Cooper hasn't fucked a ghost. A I skeleton at minimum. Has. Yeah. You know. um, so look, I thought I'd round this out with some quick Kesha trivia time. Sure. People love trivia. She's part Hungarian. She's a vegan. Sorry, vegetarian, actually. Sure. Feminist. Her favourite colour? Chartreuse. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me. Um, She's an ordained minister and performed legal commitment ceremonies for same-sex couples and opposite-sex couples. Mm -hmm. Um, Sexuality. I don't just love men. I love people. It's not about gender. She's involved with the LGBT plus activism and animal rights. Mm-hmm. She believes in God. She reportedly has an IQ of 140. Is that high? I don't know. What's yeah, that's high. <laughs> oh, okay. Pretty high. She's so, a real Shakira. 
she is yeah, she is she had a gold tooth from 2010 to 2015 it was installed after she chipped her actual tooth doing some quote rowdiness at the bar um she actually chipped it opening a beer bottle with her teeth. Okay. So power to her. Cool. <laughs> she joked the gold tooth was her biggest beauty regret. So there you go. Um, she used she used to use beer as an adhesive for when she started wearing body glitter, but okay. stopped because she got a, a skin rash. So there you go. <laughs> she broke into Prince's house to leave him a demo CD. She co-wrote the song Stephen when she was sixteen with her mother. Her mother was a songwriter and co-wrote a mm. Dolly Parton song. Doesn't like milk. Sometimes when she writes songs, she lays her breasts on the piano. Mm. Um. <laughs> so this is the thing. This is my probably treasure with Kesha. Yeah. Not to you know <laughs> judge someone who's lived a totally different life, but there is kind of a, 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 a blurred line, if you will, Robin Thicke style, between trashy and thirsty, Yeah, you know, and breaking into Prince's house, for instance might be more on the trashier side, more yep. on the thirsty side, and less on the fun, party, trash bag side. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bra- tra- breaking, chipping your tooth, opening a beer bottle, that's fun. fun, trashy, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, she Playing carries... Playing piano with your tits might be a bit, and then telling people about it, a bit thirsty. Yeah. You know. She carries edibles in her purse and smokes weed regularly. So there's some fun facts for Kesha. I could um, never have guessed any of that information. She's by still to still getting songs. 18 million on the Spotify. So that's yeah, good. And go. congratulations to her. We are who we are. That's going to cost you nine dollars and eighty five cents. <laughs> that's almost one of the most expensive ones we've ever had. On sure. Time. So yeah, it's going to cost you the best part of ten bucks. Um, Lyrical highlights. Uh, okay. Uh, credited to Kesha, someone called Ammo, uh, Benny Blanco, who's done way too much work with Ed Sheeran, Jacob Kesha, <laughs> who's done way too much work with Maroon 5, and Dr. Luke, who's done way too much work in court. Uh, <laughs> yeah. DJ, turn it up. It's about damn time to live it up. I'm so sick of being so serious. Don't remember when that was, but sure. <laughs> it's making my brain delirious. I'm just talking truth. I'm telling you about the shit we do. We're selling our clothes, sleeping in cars, dressing it down, hitting on dudes, pause, hard. Now, it's about time people started advocating for the potential advantages of the homeless lifestyle, Ben, given its increasing popularity with hot young people. Like, who cares if your stockings are ripped all up the side? You're living in a car and partying under freeways, you know? Chuck a bit of glitter eyeliner on and start macking on the next guy who calls himself Doctor with no evidence, like Dr. Luke or Dr. Ben Gillies, and everything will work out fine, you know? Or at least you'll be at a big party with a DJ who's not paying attention to the next mix because they're too busy on F-list dating sites. (laughs) Drinking low-budget tequila out of a blue glass (laughs) bottle. That's Indeed. one life lesson for the kids out there. Oh. Don't drink alcohol that comes in a blue glass container. Nice. It's not going to be good. Definitely. Um, do you reckon she still has that tequila endorsement from the music video? Do you reckon there's probably, still, there's probably still cases of that in the house? There was so fucking much being thrown around. So, yeah. Uh, look. Up next, Tom. Up next. It's a fool's errand to pour over the back catalogue of the Black Eyed Peas (laughs) to determine their worst song. Mm. But for me, Tom, this is probably it. This is why 13-year-olds are hitting the tequila bin to grow up in a world with this shit in it. Um, This is the Black Eyed Peas song, The Time, bracket, dirty bit, end bracket. Mm. Now... (laughs) 
You go, please. <laughs> it's a reworking, and I use that term loosely. Mm. Um, human rights violation might be a more accurate description of the song I've Had the Time of My Life. As some people know, the theme from Dirty Dancing, Tom. Yes, yeah, the, the song that plays at the end when they finally, you know, hook up. Yeah. Um, yeah, the time bracket, Dirty Bit End bracket, uh, is the lead single from the Black Eyed Peas album, The Beginning, which followed The End, which Ooh. sounds clever if you're the sort of person who takes 27 years to realise that Will I Am is an anagram of Will I Am. Uh, it samples I've Had the Time of My Life, as you say, yep. and sold over 7 million depressing copies worldwide and reached number four in the US and number one in multiple other countries. Um, yeah. I mean, I know you're not much of a fan of the original song, but this really does make you appreciate it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't mind the original song from, from Dirty Dancing, um, but... Even if it was my least favourite song of all time, <laughs> they've somehow managed to drop it down a several notches on this. Now, if that Eminem song from earlier felt like the Rihanna bit had been sort of crowbarred in, the uh, time of my life part in this song feels like it was smashed into the rest of the song in the Hadron Collider. Mm. So jarring are the two pieces of music. There's no real way they can be combined apart from such a collision at speed, I would suggest. Yes. So... Did you know that there are people that believe the world ended due to an incident in the Hadron Collider and we're currently living in an alternate timeline? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a, a, it's a wild time to be alive. Yeah, sure. exactly. Mm. It's sort of like a flat earth type thing, but mm. even crazier. So I'm a big fan of simulation theory. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think like the Black Eyed Peas suggested, we're all currently living inside a computer. Yes. Know? And to a computer, this song doesn't sound like a big pile of fucking horse anus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, we're just... Again, progressing slowly through the Black Eyed Peas' achingly tedious discovery of how to make techno music from 15 years ago. This follows the basic 1995 template of getting an old vocal sample, adding a basic beat, repeating it for a bit, going wub, 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 dropping the sound for four seconds, then playing the vocal again, but louder, so people dance. I mean, the formula works to a certain extent. The entire Ministry of Sound empire was built on that <laughs> fucking one formula. Uh, when you hear A-list acts recycling this shit on the dance floor 12 years past its use-by date, the success of Daft Punk and Modular really makes even more sense in actually trying to do something new. That said, because this actually follows a basic formula somebody else much smarter than the band invented 20 years before... For me, that puts this above the last five songs of theirs we've covered. Yeah. Just on the sense of it having a sort of basic template. I mean, who knows? Maybe on the next album they'll figure out how to get the tempo slider on Pro Tools to match up with the vocal speed because it certainly doesn't in this song. You know, at this rate they'll have figured out how to do their first breakbeat in 2047. That should be ready to take on Crunk by 3008. Hang on, is that what Fergie was... Is she dropping hints about this huge party in 3008 where all this stuff makes sense again? I think so, um, yeah. You know, yeah, when uh, Lulu by Metallica and um, yeah. Lou Reed is played and we all finally understand the genius. Yeah. Sorry, I keep, <laughs> I've got to stop making that same shit joke. Um, look, I, I thoroughly enjoy Will I Am singing the theme song from Dirty Dancing, heavily auto-tuned and then sort of <laughs> smashed into a really terrible techno bit that doesn't <sighs> really relate at all. No, it's um, But look, 
this is the spiritual sequel to that shit song, I've Got a Feeling, that we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm. Uh, Will I Am told Billboard magazine, if I've Got a Feeling was about someone who went out and said, I have a feeling tonight's going to be a good night. You've got to imagine that yep. with auto-tune. Uh, then what would that person say when they got back from the party? They're going to tell you, wow, I had the time of my life. And that's what this song, The Time Is. I don't think a single person alive has done that, Tom. Has anyone ever gone out and just went, oh, yeah, I've had the time of my life thanks to that Black Eyed Peas song? (laughs) That has not happened at all. It doesn't explain where bracket duty bit bracket comes from either. Well, do do I need to explain that, Tom? (laughs) Sure, why not? I can explain that for you if you would like. Now, um, firstly... I've got a couple of things to explain, first okay, of all. Sure. You mentioned that the album's the beginning, yeah? Yes. We've mentioned previously that the Black Eyed Peas in interviews are generally have a lack of self-awareness. Yep. Sort of, a complete lack, some yep. might say. So this is what Will I Am has said. The beginning is about taking ownership of your life and not waiting for someone to give you the answers, but to go out and search for those answers mm. yourself. We're saying, don't let the negativity rule you. Sometimes going out and celebrating is a departure. It's a manifestation of your desire to live a happy life. Some people will say, what the fuck am I celebrating? I got no job. I just got laid off. I got to pay the mortgage. What the hell is there to celebrate, Mr. Will I Am? (laughs) You're celebrating the fact that you're alive, that you have a mind, and you know right from wrong. So, Tom... Next time life's getting you down and, you know, you're having one of those days where you just sort of feel like things haven't really gone your way and you're like, going, oh, <laughs> it's a bit rougher today. You know, I wanted to sort of do this thing and it didn't quite happen. You know, maybe I'm not sort of happy in my job or various other things. I just want you, Tom, to take a step back, sit down at home and just tell yourself, I'm alive. I have a mind. I know right from wrong. And I think you'll feel much better. Can I also uh, add, uh, oh, and I bought some ecstasy for that guy, which I'm going to take tonight, (laughs) which is still what he's fucking talking about. He just doesn't have the balls to actually say it. But that's, again, what he's fucking talking about. That's what he was crapping on about in the last three fucking songs. Yeah. Yeah. But I do that, Tom. You know, I sort of get home and just go, oh, what a rough day. I'm alive. Mm -hmm. I have a mind and I know right from wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so to get to the the bit that you asked before about the dirty bit, Tom. Sure. So co-founder Apple D App, that yeah. guy um, yeah. that if I sometimes yeah. forgets in the band. This is what he said. I'm saying the beginning in a different way. It's going back to the beginning, and dirty bit is eight bit, and that's how technology started. Oh, God, so the dirty bit is going back to the beginning when you used to play Atari and those graphics. Now, this is a band that's known for zero self-awareness and making no fucking sense in interviews, but that has to be the stupidest fucking shit (laughs) I've ever heard in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I always wondered why Fergie and Will I Am were the face of the Black Eyed Peas, but after reading that, I understand that they should never let that guy do any interviews Mm. at all. Because what in the fuck is he talking about? Well, as previously mentioned, this is the same guy who can't make it back to his hotel room at the end of the night without getting naked, shooting himself and dragging his ass around a fucking public carpet in the hallway in a hotel. 
Uh, and also, do you remember last time we were talking about the Black Eyed Peas discovering dance music when I said it was also like they were discovering computers and how technology works at all yeah. from first principles? Well, this is when they started using pixelation in all their videos and oh, stuff, yeah. which again That's was it. already fucking old and out of date, retro 8-bit shit at this time as well. It sounds like, again, someone in a nightclub, again on ecstasy, explained a concept to them, which stuck in their fucking tiny little pixel-sized brains and it's now being regurgitated in some whack-ass form and then on the cover of their shit from all this album it's all these dumbass pixel drawings of them and stuff like not even in an interesting way just like cubes globbed together like oh my god it's so bad yeah it's fucking stupid look sorry what, just like, what I anticipated the dirty bit was <laughs> um Again, as you say, also doesn't explain that at all. <laughs> doesn't has nothing to do with that. He's what? not using it as a double meaning. Well, uh, I wasn't sure whether I, I assumed. Okay, so you've got this sort of hooky. I've had the time of my life. Yeah. Sort of very poppy bit, and then when the dance bit comes in, it it does have a a bit of distortion on there and a bit of like. Yeah. So it's sort of I thought bit. I thought that was like the quote dirt the dirty mm. part sounds a bit like yep. musically dirtier than the other bit um, or it might have just been about Fergie shitting on his chest I wasn't <laughs> sure what the dirty bit was but that I assumed it was one of those two things I didn't assume that when someone asked him what the dirty bit would be he'd reference 8-bit Atari graphics mm. but there you go it's been hanging around Alex DeKid too <laughs> I think so but yeah the music video to this I forgot how terrible that was too oh, so yeah. just the fucking, fucking yeah. so everything about this this is this is the worst Black Eyed Peas song for me just because of how jarring that sort of transition is the, the, the dance song itself part not great not terrible the I've had the time of my life part Kind of terrible. And then you put them together and it's just unlistenable for oh, my mind. Oh, it's a fucking dog's breakfast. Yeah. But I think in its dog's breakfast, I find it vaguely more interesting than surely got titties like yay, yay, yay or whatever we had oh, for yeah. like three months Yeah, it's ago. entertaining because it's so terrible. unlistenable. Yeah. Like as is Boom Boom Pow, which yeah, is sucks. barely even a song. It's just What are the lyrics noises. on this bad boy? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> Can't fuck. It goes yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Dirty bit. It does. Uh, I've had the time of my life and I mm. owe it all to you and then it goes dirty. As far bit. as I'm concerned, this is credited to John De Nicola, who or John De Nicola, who co-wrote I've Had the Time of My Life and yep. Hungry Eyes. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, and a bunch of other twats with punctuation in their names that I don't care about. And he wrote all the lyrics as far as I'm concerned. So Yeah, fair enough. And they're in the title. <laughs> um, $32 million... Um, is what this no one thirty two million on Spotify. Oh, Dollar twelve, it'll cost you. They've got a lot of listeners. Um, Dollar twelve. That's, that's probably too much. the cheapest one this year. Though. It is, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's way too much. Befits its quality. Yeah. Um, Who's so, up yeah. next? Okay, so that was only number one for one week. So the general public at least nice. had the common sense to not continue purchasing or listening to that for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Up next, um, friend of the podcast, Bruno Mars, back again mm. with Grenade. So he is. he's gone for Michael Jackson musically on this one. Um, there's even a few Michael Jackson stars mm. in this during yeah. the song. So I think you mentioned in the last song that Bruno had a period where he sort of was just... 89 MJ and yeah. I think this is sort of yep. part of that in his vocal delivery at least yeah. so yeah personally I like this a fuck sight more than that Billy Joel knock off the oh it's better than it that it reminds yeah. me 
it reminds me of that sort of B-tier Michael Jackson stuff, like his cranky power ballads where he pretended to be upset about women yep. and stuff, which fitted between his like A-tier dance stuff and his C-tier stuff, which was <laughs> mostly songs about pet rats and African famine and so forth. Yeah, but, look, yeah. B yeah, tier, I'm going to say D tier, but um, <laughs> no, is it? no, that's fine. Um, yeah. So in the music video, he's pulling a piano he along sure the street is. Yeah. with a rope. So he's got the sort of grand piano he's pulling that along. I'm not really sure what that's meant to symbolise. I don't really know either. He's going through a heap of different neighbourhoods. Mm-hmm. He's pulling the piano along. He goes through like a bit where there's like some, um, I guess to use Donald Trump language, some bad looking hombres, something like that. <laughs> sure. He's through another bit where there's sort of, you know, different types yep. of neighbourhoods and all that. It's, it's effectively a low speed version of that Vanessa Carlton video <laughs> with her on the sure. sort of back of the truck. So it meets a lot of different people. He gets to the chick's house that I assume he's trying to bang mm-hmm. and she's just boned or about to bone some other dude. Yep. So he gets, he looks in the window, he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. So then he has to drag the piano all the way home again. Yeah. Um, he should have just taken a portable keyboard or even a boom box with a song <laughs> he was going to play to her pre-recorded on it. would have been a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So that's the video. Yep. And then the song itself is just sort of him talking about how he take a grenade for it. Yeah, I kept hopefully waiting that a grenade was going to show up in the video. Yeah, I was hoping so. Blow him up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is the second single from his debut album, Doo-Wops and Hooligans. Uh, Personally, I don't hate this one, I've got to admit. The chorus reminds me of some weekend stuff, and he does have a good voice, I reckon, especially if you like, as here, mid-period Michael Jackson, at least, and, you know, who doesn't, back when we just thought he was an abuse-scarred, psychologically broken man-child with unlimited funds and a plastic surgery addiction, and not something disturbing like he would do later on, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah, look, um, in an interview with Idolater, Bruno explained the backstory of how the song was created and what it meant for him. Uh, I was with my friend Benny Blanco again, songwriter oh. of Katy Perry's Kiss to Girl, etc. He was playing me some songs and he played me this song that had a lyric like the one in Grenade. He said, This band isn't signed, this is a CD that wasn't released. I said to Benny, I can relate to that so much, I want to take that and make it my own. He was in contact with the dude and I started writing my version basically. It's a heartbreaking song, and I think everyone can relate to that. You're so in love with this woman, and you don't understand. What am I doing wrong? What am I not giving to you? I'll go as far as putting a bullet in my brain for you. Why can't I get that kind of love in return? So, in short, he's written another incel anthem. Then. <laughs> yeah, no. It's been a while since we had a new teenage dirtbag, and I think the world was clearly ready. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, not sure who he's referring to at the start there on that CD, but I don't think that person's getting any credit on this song. No. So, without a doubt, Bruno Mars is a fan of the Katy Perry school of songwriting, I'm saying, uh, especially given his previous uh, exactly the same as Billy Joel song that he's already cranked out this year. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this? Did you not a fan? I'm guessing. No, terrible. But better than the <laughs> better than the his better first than the one. I agree Joel with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Look, um, I did read that um, he told a UK newspaper since I've been singing Grenade, I've been getting a lot of fake ones thrown at me on stage. Oh, at first, it was cute. Now it's beginning to spook my band out. <laughs> with the stage lights, you can't see anything. It's dangerous and scares the shit out of me. So if there's any terrorists out there, domestic <laughs> terrorists, and they want to take out Bruno, it seems like the very simplest thing to do would be to sneak a grenade into one of the shows, <laughs> lob it up on stage, mm. blow him up. Not saying you should do that, but I'm saying if you want to do that, that would be what you should do. You know, do. that was always fucking... Um, 
Ozzy Osbourne's story for his famous bat incident oh, right. was that he yeah. said people would always throw rubber skulls, rubber snakes, rubber yep. shit at me on stage and someone threw a rubber bat at him and he Get went the head off and then it was actually it was a real bat. dead yep. bat that yes. someone <laughs> jumped on stage. Or it was a rubber bat. He was too fucked up to notice and the people in the crowd thought it was a real bat. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. Um, 2010, so around this time, September, so mm-hmm. roughly the time this song went to number one, Bruno was arrested in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Hard Rock Casino for possession of cocaine. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. While talking to a police officer, Mars declared he'd never used drugs before. He pleaded guilty <laughs> to a felony possession and um, he paid a $2,000 fine and did 200 hours of community service. Sure. Isn't it always the way, Tom? The very first time you buy <laughs> drugs, and remember, the drugs that Bruno purchased probably financed that Iaz song from earlier in the episode. Sure. Um, it's terrible. The very first time you buy drugs, mm. you get Caught by the cops. And, and you don't you... even get to try them. Exactly, you know? I know. Just, so yeah. that's no good for sure. So disappointing. Now, um, I don't know about... Some people have called out Bruno Mars for cultural appropriation. Oh, how's that? Where's he from? Well, he's not black. Ah, but okay. he plays up his racial ambiguity ambiguity sorry to mm-hmm. cross genres apparently sure so someone has called him out and said look what bruno mars does he takes pre-recording work and just completely word for word recreates it <laughs> extrapolates it he does not create he does not improve on it he does not make it better he's a karaoke singer he's a wedding singer he's a person you hire uses the uh, black eyed peas a b method yeah, i think he does yeah <laughs> he's the person you hire to do michael jackson and prince covers yet Bruno Mars has an album of the year Grammy and Prince never won an album of the year Grammy. So Yeah, well this is why the Grammys are complete bullshit. Now, Tom, I think I've finally figured out cultural appropriation. (laughs) Sure. If you like someone, Mm -hmm. it's not cultural appropriation. If you don't like them, (laughs) it is cultural appropriation. With Bruno, I feel like it's less cultural appropriation and it's kind of just more borderline copyright infringement <laughs> yes or paying quote homage so mm. I don't know like I, I figure intellectual laziness and yeah. a desire to get rich would be desire to get rich and he's just sort of copying past things that have been popular but as we've talked about before I think in this podcast is that you know we live in a society now where people are influenced by so many things I think it's really difficult to just sort of say oh this you know I don't I don't look at Bruno and go oh he's stealing black culture and mm. then trying to reuse it. I think he's just sort of taking the things that he enjoys and and creating music. Isn't that just what writing music is? Looking yeah. at influences and redoing it? It's weird. It just gets into weird territory. There's a few other rappers like this as well. Was it Migos someone? Okay, yeah. Was it? Uh, I can't remember because I don't know rap well enough. There's, an, uh, there's another rapper who's, um, he was very big for a while, who's Mexican and people were saying, well, that's not, african-american either you know why you're benefiting from you know this entire hip-hop culture thing but you know then it gets into like well how much of color do you have to be to be to be allowed to do well i think that's bruno's thing he's he's from hawaii so i think Mm. people are saying well he's not african-american so can he be ripping off jazz and it's like well for fuck's sake man i mean it's like your thing of you know 
And you go into a you go into a Korean restaurant, and there's it's only staffed by white dudes. That seems vaguely suspicious, yep. and potentially a little bit racist. But you go in there, and they all just look Asian, but they're all from Taiwan. They're just taking advantage of the fact that as a white person, I can't tell the difference between oh, what a Korean yeah. person and a Taiwanese person looks like. Exactly. So in that, but they're taking advantage of me in that sense, like. Who's I don't even know what who's being abused there, like, or if anyone's, or if it's just you know. Sushi like, shops are the most racist shops in Australia, <laughs> is what I'm saying. No one that works there's Japanese, but they won't employ white people. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> saying fine. Bruno Mars isn't claiming to be a black person, no, but no. he's definitely taking advantage of the fact that white people can't tell the difference between a Hawaiian and a black person in a lot of cases. So you know, they assume that he is. You know, when he's sitting next to a 70s soul lineup, that he's another African American. But, you know, if the guys in the lineup are fine with that, then fucking, I don't know. Jesus. I just <laughs> I don't wish people give had stopped asking anymore. me my expert opinion on these matters, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't fucking care anyway. I mean, given that, what was that guy's thing I mentioned way back then? Did that dude had that three, the three question thing? Oh, uh, yeah. Are you mocking the original? Yeah. Like, which he's not doing. Are you. Are you acknowledging your influences, which he clearly is doing? Like he's yep. not even not pretending to be exactly like Michael Jackson. And are you profiting from it? Well, he's definitely, definitely profiting from it. To that's just music extent. in general. That's anything, though. That's any that's endeavor. It. That's yeah. anything. And it's else. not like he's blocking successful black artists. The fact that Prince never got a Grammy and Bruno Mars did sucks. But yep. it's not like they were competing for the same Grammy and then Bruno Mars pushed Prince out of the way to get the fucking Grammy. So yeah. Look, I can't remember anyone accusing Snow of cultural appropriation. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, Tom. I'm sure if he came out now, he'd be greeted with exactly the same warm reception that he was and he when was... he first released that first 12 inches back in the day of Snow. And look, he may, may Tom, have been borrowing from both black culture, being <laughs> African-American culture... And the uh, and the the crazy ragamuffins, the Jamaican guys as well. Um, yeah, so he, he, was, he he's, was a real Chet Hayes he, of his he's time. He's pinching from a couple of different things, but no one seemed to have a problem with it at the time. Cultural appropriation wasn't even mentioned, so I'm giving Bruno the green light to do as he pleases because we live in a society now where everything is just taken mm. from something else. So well, I mean, okay. it's like this is why people are fine with Chet Hayes because yeah, you know. know he's not mocking the Jamaicans. He's just has smoked so much weed he thinks he's Jamaican. Yeah. Um, he's not refusing to acknowledge his influences because he obviously loves rap music and he's certainly not profiting from any of his rap music he's not because profiting, as no. far as I know, he's never sold a single song <laughs> in human history. So. Exactly. Yeah. Now, lyrics, have we touched on these, Tom? Are yeah. These, these are good. They're pretty fucking <laughs> insilly. Um, what you don't understand, I gave you all I had, you tossed it in the trash, to give me all your love is all I've ever asked. What you don't understand is I'd catch a grenade for you, throw my hand on a blade for you, I'd jump in front of a train for you, you know I'd do anything for you, I would go all through all this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain, mm-hmm. yes I would die for you baby, but you wouldn't do the same. Uh, mm. I like that he's rhymed mm. brain with same. Because I remember yeah. Aerosmith did that when um, in Jamie's Got a Gun, they said, 
Um, he copped a bullet in his brain and he was never the same. <laughs> That's so, right. And then they found him underneath the train. So she <laughs> shot him through the skull and then pushed him under a train. This is Just in case the bullet yeah. through the head didn't do the damage. This is a reworking of oh, the yeah. Aerosmith song, I think. So. I mean, this is fine. This is all well and romantic when fucking Bruno Mars does it on his Grammy winning album. But I type this out on an 8chan page and suddenly oh, I'm yeah. the potential school oh, shooter. Right. No, you know? Know. The cops get involved so they track your IP. It's terrible. Uh, How's he doing? 51 mil for Bruno. We did that before. Fuck, that's massive. That's just shy of Rihanna. I know. Fuck is number one. Um, $2.88 for this. Yep. There you go. There you go. All right. So moving on. Final song of the year. Big year. Guy Sebastian Mm. uh, featuring (laughs) Evie. Who's that girl? Uh, now look well look this, if this there's one is, thing um, you can say about uh, Guy Sebastian it's that he's lasted a surprisingly long time oh, yeah. for a guy who was in a reality TV show yeah I mean <laughs> we're still talking about Guy but mm. I can't remember there being a Scott Kane song for, for some time or no haven't been any more scandalous songs no even so. bloody um, Shannon Noel yeah. died off after a while any Robert, Robert Millsy Mills, none of that action, so I don't know. Look, this is one of Guy's better songs, dare I say. Low I bar, mean, it's still yeah. fucking terrible, but it's one of his better ones. I do feel like this would have been better in, say, Flowrider's hands. Yeah. I sort of get that feeling. Now, we know the Guy story. We don't need to talk about yeah. fucking Guy anymore. But um, Evie. We've got, yes. you know, Evie's a new character here for us on the show. Is she it comes Evie in. Evie or just Eve? I think, oh, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it might be Eve. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was Evie, but I could be wrong. Oh, um, no, you could well be right. So, Evie, she comes in and she drops a Flowrider style rat she sure in does. the bridge. Now, I'm not sure how she ended up on this. Did she owe someone money or was it, you know, someone had something like over her, like some sort of blackmail sort of situation? Wasn't she, wasn't she like 10 years ago, one of the people in the fucking world famous Lady Marmalade? No, you're thinking of Emma and Maya. Oh, sorry, I'm getting that confused. Okay, Um, so she hasn't come that far. No, no, no. But um, She has been on our list before, though. She's been in number ones previously. Uh, She dropped a verse on this, and, you know, I sort of feel like someone said to her, look, just come in and do this fucking Guy Sebastian shit, and we'll wipe whatever debt you have for this or something. Yeah. Because I don't really know why she would do this, but I gather that there was some sort of Mm. duress involved. Um... We know, yeah, as I said, we know about Guy, but Eve, what is there to, to sort of tell mm. the audience about Eve that don't already know? Well, she has a leopard print can tattoo. Yeah, it's not. Which has to be probably the worst look going, I think, for me. Um, I can't <laughs> think of anything worse than that, to be honest. Maybe a face tattoo of a leopard print can tattoo on your face. But anyway, she used to be a stripper. Mm. That was until rapper Maze, and he'll always be murder Maze to me convinced her to, to stop rapping. So Maze the rapper stripping. to stop sorry, to stop stripping correct. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure how that went down. Did Maze hear her rap and say, You can't be stripping. Mm. You're such a talent, you're such a great rapper, you need to give up <laughs> the strip game and come and rap. Yeah. Or did he see her stripping and was like, you can't be stripping with those cans, <laughs> the fucking trash cans, you're gonna make no money with those tits you'd better give up the stripping and go 
get into the rap game. Mm. I don't know which way he came at it, but one of those two yeah, things happened, it's a, and she gave it up to get into rap. It's an origin story that asks some questions. Yeah, it does. it does. Another one is, it's not often that a guy with a dollar bill in his name convinces somebody to stop stripping. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. That's maybe, what I was surprised at. Maybe he should try it on Kesha, you know. Then she could get off the pole, convince ASAP Rocky to dump Rihanna, and they could have a kid called Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign. Yeah, I think so. Pronounced Cha-Ching. <laughs> Cha-Ching. I've heard dumber names. I'm not kidding. I have actually heard dumber names. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know whether it was the quality of the cans or the quality of the rap <laughs> that got her into the rap game, but there she is. Uh, she dropped her first recording on the Bullworth soundtrack. We've uh, spoken yes. of that before. Yeah, that was... What, yeah, yes. So that's what she started on, and then she obviously got involved in some other stuff. She's done a heap of material. No number ones, apart from this Guy Sebastian collab, which fuck knows how it got there. <laughs> She's also a great actress, Tom. You may have seen her in Barbershop, Barbershop 2, Back in Business... <laughs> Or Barbershop 3, The Next Cut. Yeah. Maybe all of those. Maybe I don't all know. of them, sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Eve has a beef. And I love a rap beef. Oh, they're great. She has a beef with both Foxy Brown and Little Kim. Wow. So she's got a beef with <laughs> one of the Lady Marmalade crew. Ah, okay. So Eve has revealed that she's known Brown since 1997 and dubbed her a wankster. So she's using the old uh, 50 cent, 50 cent lingo <laughs> and a miserable, jealous bitch, which is a bit more to the point. She added, ain't my fault Foxy been out since 96 and her bank account looked the same. So, ooh, ooh. shit. There you go. So look, love a rap beef. Don't really know any of the characters involved, but it's just great to have these sort of rap beefs, sure. I think. So, um, Eve welcomed her first child earlier this year. So another congratulations oh, to her nice. after Rihanna earlier. Um, son named Wild Wolf Fife Alexander Summers Cooper. What did I just Wild do? Wolf. Should have stuck with Chichin. Fucking hell. So there you go. And uh, this song features the classic Guy Sebastian lyric, I never thought I'd fall in love in the club. <laughs> mm. Also features the lines, uh, I was on the mic doing my thing on a Friday night. Had the floor burning up just right. Everybody was bumping. The club was jumping. Jeez. See, Guy, if you start a song like that, then obviously I'm simply not going to believe anything you subsequently say. Uh, so you might as well make up some insane shit instead of the same fell in love on the dance floor song we've heard half a dozen times just in the number one spot just this year alone already. Yeah. Tell me your ass fell off so you went to hospital except the ambulance drove in the ocean and you met Poseidon. Fucked a fish, fell in love, and woke up on a boat with a hook through your gills in the movie Waterworld starring Kevin Costner. Anything is better than I fell in love at the club. Do you really think you're going to write a better I fell in love at the club song than Right There by Flo Rider? Or fucking Genuine? Exactly. <laughs> Pony, you're not. It's not going to happen. But that said, as you say, you know, he's done worse. The bar's pretty low. Yeah, this is terrible, um, but <laughs> fucking hell, he's done some absolute garbage, so this is better than a few of those other things. Got anything more to say about this one? No. No, that's no. it. So Guy Sebastian, 1.9 mil. Evie's got 4.8 mil. Uh, you know how much this is going to cost you, Tom? How much? 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting to the point now where um, that's more than... <laughs> 
I would pay. Does that mean that this is a collector's <laughs> item? Uh, Are uh, you telling me that a Guy Sebastian song is a collector's item? I think $20 crosses over in a collector's <laughs> item territory. Jesus so right. I mean, yeah, once you're handing over a lobster for a CD single, I guess, yeah, because you can... The other ones are like two dollars eighty. You can't really do much with that. But twenty bucks, you know, you yeah. can go and you can get a sandwich for that. You can get you one. You can get a lettuce buy for a that latte much. In Melbourne. You can get yeah. you know, a lettuce and a latte. There you go. <laughs> the, the old LL combo. Um, so that's it for this year. For those it hits, sure is. Unfortunately, Tom, for the Australian public, the two best songs of this year only maxed out at number three. Okay. And those two best songs <laughs> of twenty ten are. Usher and Pitbull, DJ's Got Us Fallen In Love. The DJ's Got Us Fallen In Love Again. <laughs> you know that one? I know that one. It's fucking great. <laughs> sure. And Flo Rider and David Guetta, The Club Can't Handle Me Right uh, Now. Ah, we've spoken about that. That's the one where they have to literally <laughs> evacuate the building. The club is unable to mm-hmm. handle Flo Rider and David That's Guetta. Right. So they're the two best songs of the year sure. by far. Um <laughs> Maybe one of those Rihanna ones is probably pretty good as well. So, <laughs> I'm sure there was plenty more Rihanna stuff that didn't get to quite number one that was in the top ten this year. Like no. probably half that rated R album was in the top oh, ten. Oh, absolutely right, absolutely. So anyway, thank you for listening. Yes, <laughs> and we will see you in coming weeks for 2011. I hope there's no more fucking black eyed peas, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I can check out anymore. the YouTube, check out the Instagram, sunglasses at night. Say hi to your mum for me. Bye.